Welcome once again to our weekly podcast here on TCP. It is episode number 189. So we're reaching 200 soon. Like there's 11 more until we get to 200, which means uh, you're not going to see episode 200 until sometime next year. When inevitably we will be, uh, and who, who knows when that will happen? I, I don't know. November, apparently, if we're on schedule. But, uh, I mean, dude, the league is well and truly over by November, so yeah. I don't know about that. Yeah. I mean, what a world. Did, we got to see what happens in the offseason, right? Maybe there's, yep. there's stuff to talk about. Special offseason episodes. A couple Maybe. of those. It's, it, it's going to be interesting, nice. like, how and when um, the transfer market is going to activate, right? So, we'll see. <laughs> Activates like July next year. Like, <laughs> we'll see. God bless. Oh God. Well, uh, there's quite a few things to go over this week. Uh, in terms of the fact that we just had the conclusion of the Countdown Cup. Very exciting stuff. Great grand finals. One of the best grand finals. Uh, we have the MVP ballots submitted. All done. We'll be going over those today as well. Just talking over um, who our final choices are for all the awards role star coach of the year rookie of the year and mvp uh you know we talked plenty about them but previously it was always like speculation on like oh who would you vote for like who's probably your front runner now it's just like no who did you vote for who have you actually put down on your list is um is where we're going to so i think a special episode in that regard as well so we can actually finalize where things are and how uh, a lot of that's going to go uh before we get too deep though gentlemen I have to do some quick shout-outs here. I do want to thank our supporters here, our patrons. Episode 189 is brought to you by Battle Crab, Refined Bean, Bronze Bot Buhal, Chare, Chris R34444, Fable Steven, Hunter Tain, Cash67, Lolshin, Rex Saint, Sir Girthalot, Wilma D, Yeska's Orper, Scented Shower Gel, and your misery. And obviously our lovely members on YouTube as well. We love you guys as well. So 189, guys, first thing on the list here is there was a bit of news that dropped really recently, and I guess we're fortunate enough to catch this news and talk about it. Um, and that is that the Hangzhou Spark have made a termination of a contract. I was about to say roster move, but it just sounds like that doesn't, it's not quite accurate. It sounds like misleading. You know, like, oh, who did they acquire? Like, oh, they dropped somebody. No, um, something happened. Something negative really happened here. And so MCD is out of the picture after some recent controversy to, to put it lightly uh the tweet basically says today the hunger spark was made aware of an incident involving mcd's in-game behavior mcd's action and comments has broken the stipulation of the player contract and also it also against that's just how they wrote it the hunger sparks team value his action was not consistent with the expectation of the hunger spark players and staff as stated mcd's contract will be terminated from today he will no longer serve the role of hunger sparks flex support player by the hunger spark organization context here guys is that he had some uh discriminatory discriminatory words said in ranked towards chinese players i think farway who's uh the flick supporter of the chengdu hunters was the target of that and after this news came out as well um gaga went on his socials to say like oh i wonder you know how many other players he's talked this way to apparently this is not a one-time mm. thing this is not a first defense so mcd uh for behavioral issues has been removed from the team yeah it's uh it's unfortunate i think mcd's had a you know quite the bang up season thus far um but yeah when you say silly things like that you uh 
gotta face the punishment. And yep, that's uh, thumbs the butt, thumbs the brakes. Can't be can't be doing stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, cool. <laughs> we we move it on then. No, do, do, Yuska, please. It's always like such an awkward situation to comment on something. Like, did you guys watch the clip in question that was posted as the reason? No, I actually didn't. I didn't know there was a clip. There was a clip. Yeah, there was a clip uh, of him being in a ranked game, and he actually in English says, um, like, "Wow," which is weird. Why would you go to English, bro? Like, <laughs> I think that's all like calm. I don't know. Is it? Um, maybe. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, but like, it's like, um, of course, there could be language uh, barrier issues, but given all the context, it's just very clearly like a racist remark towards like, uh, specifically like attacking a player based on his nationality, which is not okay, right? Uh, other players have come out said as much that this is, you know, not just like the one instance. Um, so yeah, I mean, you gotta you gotta respond if the if the evidence is actually as it is presented at the moment. Which, to be fair, like no, uh, no guarantees here. Like I haven't looked into this at all beyond watching the clip, which was I think it was on. Uh, Weibo. I just saw it. I just found the clip. And yeah, I don't know. Like it's it's unfortunate because I thought like MCD was possibly the best player on the Spark uh, this season. Um, Could argue, I guess. Wow, well, you're kind of you're kind of just robbing Shy there a little bit, but you know, other than that, we'll, we'll say after is, Shy maybe. After Shy, and I mean, you might might have to consider that MCD also played uh, pretty much the entire season, right? Um, before <laughs> the two weeks ago true um but yeah like he was certainly one of the characters on that team that actually inspired some confidence um mm. and yes true. you have coldest as a backup uh there and it's this is this is once again where like a big roster is comes in pretty handy you just have the redundancy for when like this is what we're talking about <laughs> every for scandals Redundancy for yeah, scandals. Yeah. Gotta have That's a few extra plays so. for that. Dude, you'd never know what the season might throw at you. But Spark doesn't have the problem that the fuel had with XCI. Mm -hmm. Right? Or doesn't have the problems that uh, uh, Florida had with not having a backup tank. If you have a backup tank, you'd never run into these problems. Suddenly you have a DPS play on tank, right? Like, that's, mm. that's the good part about redundancies. And, of course, I mean... Uh, Enjoyers of the Chinese Overwatch scene will will be able to attest to the qualities that Coldus has. I'm not sure if he has it still or can still demonstrate it to the point where he's equal to MCD. But um, overall, like, I mean, this hurts the spark. At the same time, like, there's no tolerance, like, yeah. for for stuff like that, especially if it's repeated. Hundred percent. Big agree. Yeah. I think the I think the the sentiment here is basically like that. It's a shame because he was one of the better players, and uh, Spark will be losing a talent here. But obviously, there's no justification um, for the behavior. But there's there's one other interesting thing about this, and I've only just sort of thought about it now. And I, this wasn't meant to be a long topic, and it probably it still won't be. But it has mm. brought up one other thing in my mind that I was just reminded me of, mm. um, and specifically because there's a, this this is kind of the you know kind of discriminatory behavior towards um, Chinese players and, and by extension, a little bit of the Chinese fan base as well. Mm -hmm. But this is actually not the first time. I mean, obviously we still have the SBB situation, the Savi situation still exists. 
Um, and so Bilby is technically still on Soul. Uh, this is not a commentary, and it's just an interesting comparison where uh, you could argue that, say, Bilby's actions, in terms of what he said uh, publicly, were more damaging and more offensive towards the Chinese fan base. Uh, mm. But he, he, he kind of do be still there. Um, not saying that he shouldn't be there or anything. It's just, again, it's an observ- observation, not a statement. Mm. Um, yeah, and it's, it's quite interesting. Uh, I would argue that say what Sabia we did was probably worse, but you know. But, you so. know, you know, there's another interesting thing. Like I didn't know this. Maybe you know more about this, Avril. But apparently, uh, profit is also on the shit list in China. Um, like he had some remarks about like air quality in South Korea due to China or whatever, and he has been cancelled for that reason. I think. Oh, I mean, a lot of Koreans have said that. Oh, dude, I've met Koreans. I've I'm not implicating an entire like right. country people or anything, but like it's it that's a fairly normal sentiment. I'm not this is this is why I have to tread carefully. You know, I'm I'm right. feels like I'm kind of stepping on eggshells because it's depending on which party is listening to this, they they mm-hmm. either uh, okay with it or offended by these comments. But it's yeah. basically what I'm trying to get towards is like the general sentiment from a lot of Korean people I've met is that like that's just like a normal thing. It's it's pretty normal that people agree that. Oh yeah, there's a lot of pollution that's been carried over. It's in their news, for fuck's sake. I mean, in, on Korean news, mm. it's like, oh yeah, here's the Chinese pollution being com- coming over, and they they do the little um, meteorology reports, and it just it just has this you know this meteorology report of the of the stuff coming over. From, um, so it's a fairly common thing. Right. Uh, I'm not saying that, like I don't know when and where Prophet decided to air yeah. that out yeah, into no, the world. No yeah. uh, certainly, if you're if you're I'm gonna I'm gonna assume he didn't he didn't walk into Beijing's town square and just get a megaphone and just yell it out there. Um but yeah, I don't know. That's I mean, obviously people are probably gonna be the Chinese fans are probably not gonna be too anything that comes off as like anti China, they're probably not gonna be too happy about. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean an unfortunate situation. Um whenever that happens. I think there's also something that to be said, like I mean, about cultural robbing points that don't necessarily need to be anyone, any that really, as it as they, as they pertain to the player characters. I mean, if if that, for instance, like if what you said is true, and that's just in Korea, how much can you blame Prophet for just picking up on that? Like he's not doing a media degree or like uh, doing the research on this. this is, he's just like regurgitating whatever he picked up right it's not like a specific profit thing like here's profit's opinion like Mm. bro like most of his country think that so it's like it's a fairly normal thing yeah 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 oh well it is how it is um so yeah but i i i have noticed some friendly rivalry let's say uh between the chinese players and you know seoul in general it's mostly seoul let's be clear uh Mm. as you know we saw some more wholesome stuff on the internet recently where where lip and leave exchanged some nice sure. messages so it's yeah. not like there's some there's some beef going on between korean and chinese players it's it's for the most part it's, it's probably just between very specific players yeah like yeah. mcd is probably on the shit list and he you know there's some negativity there uh like you said maybe profit um i i've definitely seen in terms of player comms that like um i think profit teabagged somebody on chengdu during a match and <laughs> 
somebody's like, oh shit, Prophet just teabagged me and they really wanted to talk. I don't know. There's, mm. there's just like they, that was just like a thing that, that I heard in, in a comms check. Right. Not the official Overwatch League comms check. Just like if you, this is the kind of stuff you would find only if you like dig deep into like Billy Billy content, which most people won't do. Um, there's some, there's some to put it nicely, like friendly band for some friendly rivalry between Chinese teams and Seoul. Mm-hmm. Um, and to put it not so nicely, well, I'm just not going to go there. So it doesn't really need to be said. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Yep. Cool. So <laughs> there it is. There it is. But that's the thing, guys. The thing about talking about these types of topics is that, like, and we have to debate whether we want to talk about stuff like this. But it's an it's like a it's like a hot enough topic. And what it always comes down to is, is like, yeah, MCD did some bad stuff. Everyone agrees it's bad, and everyone agrees that he should be yep. punished. And there's no other, there's nothing else really about no. it. So it's just like, it's just the three of us sitting here nodding and agreeing with each other for five minutes as we are like, yes, this happened. And yes, we all agreed, done, moving and on. We also have so, no cultural context to whatever happened yeah. or the full context, right? Like there's only so much you can responsibly do, which is, mm. I feel like we got right and to the also, edge of that. And also for people wondering, I think the, the main thing people are probably interested in is like, well, you know, TCP, what is, what happens to Spark now? What do they do without MCD? And the answer to that question is quite simply, they keep playing Coldest and Mika, and that's all they yeah. need to do. Yep. Yeah. That's it. I don't think they'll be negatively effective. It seems like they were pretty content with playing Coldest Mika True. anyway towards the end of the season. Yeah. Um, and it didn't, for better or worse, didn't change the results <laughs> of their season at all, uh, which is unfortunate. Barely, yeah. Or at minimum, it didn't do anything. It, 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 you know, so it, Look, I don't know if it made the team worse. It's hard to tell. They lost anyway. Uh, we'll yeah. see in the plans. We will see in the plans. I, I will say my immediate, like, unfair emotional reaction was New York died for this. <laughs> like, now I yeah. would have even more liked for Hangzhou, New York. Well, New, New York, York should have beaten Guangzhou Charge when they, when they played yes, them. Yeah, very true. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yep. You know, I mean, by competition, I'm just saying, like, I think. It's, I think it's more likely that NYXL would have got, given us better games during play-ins than I agree. Spark will. Correct. I think NYXL became the better team towards the end of the year yeah. as mm-hmm. Hondo Spark started to fall off. That being said, though, Spark are about to come into a very favorable hero meta for them, and namely because it unlocks Ash for Shy again yep. and Echo for Shy again and all that kind of good stuff. Right. Um, no more Sombra. Let, let's get into the real, the real main course here of... Uh, Main course number one of two main courses. We we got a very tiny appetizer, just to whet your appetite. Appetite, and then we got a maybe a small dessert at the end. But really, it's about these two main topics that we're talking about today. A recap of the Countdown Cup into our official MVP ballot votes, and we'll, we'll obviously do the MVP stuff afterwards because uh, some of the Countdown Cup results may impact, or at least the Countdown Cup results that gives good context to some of the voting that we did. Um, so Countdown Cup came over. I think one of the better tournaments that we've had. Interestingly enough, without Dallas and Shanghai, the entire floor seemed very open. And I walked into this. My opinion was that any of the four teams could win. Mm. Now, obviously, Seoul ended up getting crushed, so that that didn't uh, that part didn't pan out. In Atlanta, they still had Pelican on High Ping recovering from surgery. So, you know, while Atlanta beat up on Seoul, they they didn't really show up. So. Kind of ended up still just being a, a Glads versus Chengdu affair, which in tournaments past, you could just replace those two teams with Dallas or Shanghai. It's the same thing, right? But um, it was still a great tournament and one of the one of the best finals we've had for sure as well. Yeah, it um, 
regarding the finals, I was pretty convinced about halfway through uh, that it was going one direction and, you know, pleasantly surprised. It was one of those matches where you could easily see somebody going to bed and being like, oh, well, Chengdu's down. They're probably not going to come back. And then you wake up to it actually went the distance and came down to a specific play that won them the match. Like it was. I was it was quite the nail biter and, and finished with some some incredible style. So, yeah, I would I would definitely agree. Didn't start that way, but it 100 percent ended as one of the, the best finals we've had in a while. Yeah, no, I like I, I think overall, um, honestly, you want to hear my real take on this? I'm not sure that any of these teams are so far away from Shanghai and Dallas at the moment. I don't trust that full on like sandbag narrative. And if they did, so I, okay, I assume they all scrimmed less, yes. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if, like, putting uh, pedal to the metal now will immediately give them the, the edge that they seem to have right. uh, in the first part of the season. Yeah. I think there's, it's very possible that we've seen some of those teams that, like, make, will make it to the final um, during the actual playoffs. Uh, certainly possible yeah. and i think i don't know i don't know about shanghai dallas i could definitely see i think there are some arguments for shanghai if they can return back to their form but if i'm going to be honest i don't know if you can stop like like full tilt shanghai like if you get them at their best like that's that's a tough team i mean dallas enter a good meta i i think counter cup is always going to be a rough meta for dallas yeah whereas mm -hmm. this upcoming open meta is going to be far better so there's always mm -hmm. that Totally. I just, by the way, as well, you know, Yesuke, you mentioned if you want to hear my real, was it your real opinion or your real take? And my real early take. response to that would be like, have we not been hearing that? Have you been doing fake takes? <laughs> you've been holding back. Time? Have you been like, yeah, have you been lying to Don't us? Like, what do you mean? I've always just assumed you've always been giving your real take. And if you haven't, I mean, I'm, I'm, that's I'm quite might... dishonest. I'm, I'm, I'm taking it back. Now, I'm, like, there's an internal consensus of 27 voices I've my, in my head. And sometimes, like, some well, of them are very real, but... Over half of them say that's a very dumb thing to say publicly, and then I just don't. You know, that's just. Well, uh... you said you're like 27 different voices. My first instinct was like, you know, that movie Split. I'm like, oh, that's just a movie about Yusuke. Mm. Yeah, he's <laughs> like 27 uh... personalities in his brain. Like, oh my god, which version we got now? The honest, apparently, the one that gives honest takes. So, the other 26 is all just <laughs> dishonest takes. Apparently, just politicians. So. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I'm glad we got the the honest one out today. Um, don't hold back. Don't hold back today, as as I'm sure you won't when we get into yep. some of the MVP discussions. Uh, let's go through this maybe in chronological order a little bit, because mm. we we talked about okay, yeah, the grand finals happened, but let's let's rewind back just slightly. Um, maybe even rewind just pre-tournament where expectations were. So obviously, my we all had our own brackets that we talked about last week. Um. Joe and I had Chengdu winning, is that correct? Is that where you had yours, Joe? I believe so, yeah. What did you have, Yiska? Who did you have winning? Um, I think he... in, uh, oh, sorry. I had oh, uh, Chengdu winning, yeah. Well, so we all had Chengdu winning, but we yeah. had different people in the finals. Because yes. I did have Glad's Chengdu finals. Did you guys have Glad's Chengdu finals? No. no. I was, I, I, I fenced out a little bit regarding the strength of Gladiators in their first match against Chengdu. But ultimately went with Atlanta. And what did Yusuke go with? I went Atlanta uh, Chengdu finals, and uh, so you both went Atlanta Chengdu finals. All right, well I'm gonna take a, I'm gonna take a dub take, there. Yeah, first. that's the closest. I'm gonna take a dub there yeah. real quick. 
Um, you gambled. Just for the one. You gambled at one. Yeah. Didn't you? Hey? When you like saying, "Ah, oh, that's my hot take." Like, ah, oh, I don't know. Glads look good, but like, this is. Uh, I'm just going doing it, and yeah, paid off. Nice. I've had a few of those where I'm like, my gut feeling is that it should be this, and this time I'm a little, mm. little bit more trusting. You'll always, we always remember that, you know. I think with Summer Showdown, my gut feeling was that Chengdu were going to get top two, but I just couldn't lock it in, and now I'm just like, lock it in. Um, I also had the four-one finish. Now, obviously, I had four-one in Chengdu's favor, and I'll mm. be honest with you, when Gladiators were three-one up, I'm like, bro, I'm about to get my four-one, just the wrong team. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so. I think we we all had Atlanta Rain beating Seoul, correct? Not even Yeska had Seoul beating Atlanta, yeah, no. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, and we all had Chengdu beating Glads, or did anyone have Glads beating Chengdu? No. Uh, so we no Glads all uh, Chengdu beating Glads, yeah. So we uh, is anyone else? I guess I'm somewhat surprised by how like immediately hot Gladiators came into that matchup because I thought it would be more favored for Chengdu. Um, and there's a yeah. couple of things in there. I mean, we can talk about the fact that Anubis didn't go well for them because they failed to cap, and some of that you can blame on two CP. But then Gladiators had a really comfortable attack in comparison. I think team compositions had a play in there. I don't think it's as easy as like, well, Glad's captain Chengdu didn't. Yeah, and that's that's that that's the yeah. kind of like Twitter Reddit narrative is like, oh, they you know clearly that's just that that's all there is to it. But no, I think I think um, uh, the subtlety in some of the compositional choices. Uh, make or break how well you can stagger and stall out that defense. Mm -hmm. uh, notably, Glads had Muse on Winston, and he had a primal. And when they gave up two texts and came back in a primal, it was very. It was a lot easier for them to then recontest. Whereas Chengdu were playing Gaga Ball, and there's just not that same staying power on the defense. It's part. Of, that's one of the reasons. And then there was um, the very. I was almost surprised that Chengdu full held Route sixty six because it looked like after King's Row they were starting to. Be, you know, be out because Kefster had a phenomenal game on Kings Row as well. Mm. His tracer came up big time. Late Young was like trying to pressure him down, but Kefster could not be denied on Kings Row, it seemed. Um, and then we have the fateful Oasis, which I'm sure will always be remembered as Leave and Jimmu both kind of just failing on the Sombra. Yeah, there's, I, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head with in regards to like team compositions. And one of the big reasons why, um, and even wrote about this on GG Recon, kind of one of the big selling points for me for Gladiators, if they were going to succeed, was going to be that the fact, like, that they could run double flex support and they could do it well. Um, that puts you so far ahead in the Arisa Mirror. On top of that, like, the fact that Chengdu has to or has kind of leaned on Jinmu's Farah throughout this tournament leaves their backline just completely open. Um, so if you actually go back and watch those VODs, Kevster is just flanking perpetually, um, as he should. On yeah. Like, should have been on the Ana. He was on the wrong hero. Even when you get to the final and he is on Ana, it, Kevster is just constantly harassing and poking and bringing out cooldowns. Like, it's, it, it, it was definitely um, probably their best look um, regarding Chengdu's Farah and, and kind of having to lean on Vettel's Mercy. But... Um, yeah, it was it was just kind of unfortunate. I think Glad's had a lot of people's numbers. I don't think anybody looked particularly comfortable uh, or or capable, rather, uh, to play the double flex support and and kind of it. I feel like it changes up the tempo of, of that matchup so weirdly that your Arisa just gets 
ultra nuke the second that shield goes down and you just have discord on you main thing i think the double flick support was way more relevant in the rain game i didn't think double flick support was at all really relevant versus chengdu because uh chengdu were not they didn't play as much they played a good amount of risk but they they mm -hmm. shared a lot of time with ball and i think you it... can't run double flick support at all versus a ball dive otherwise you're gonna get shredded um they definitely i i do remember on king's row they 100 uh, hmm, now that i look or kind of think back um i think they did on some points especially like going into like king's third i think they swap um i think they really want the space i think they do it on defense as well if it reserves um but most of the time what was interesting was the discord placement for gladiators was significantly different than it was for Chengdu. Um, even when they're running similar compositions, like um, on Ilios, uh, if you look at like the Discord usage, uh, gladiators was much more like DPS focused, trying to like zone out, leave, and give Kepster like more of a uh, a way in, if that makes sense. Whereas Chengdu was very much about tank busting and trying to get the front line back and kind of working trickle down, if that makes sense. Um, but even then, yeah, I think Glad's had the right looks. Um, if you gave them the space, they had ways to throw you something that Chengdu really didn't feel comfortable kind of rightfully mirroring. Um, and not even just mirroring, but even matching in terms of just like running the dive felt really uncomfortable for them. Um, you obviously mentioned it, Avril, with like the kind of poor somber performance. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd say... I wasn't super happy upon review with Jinmu's uh, Sombra. Uh, most, it was pretty average. Um, too many times getting picked out. Uh, too many times getting uh, yeah. pretty low-value MPs. That's, yeah. I, mean, I thought his fire was average on King's Row as well. As soon as you yeah. go to King's Row C for Chengdu, I think it's done. Um, Jessica, were you surprised by this result as well? Because we all went for Chengdu winning here. But Glad's, obviously, you know, they came in and won. For sure. Close game. I mean, both both of their games were pretty close, and I think, like, if if things go a little bit differently, those could have gone into Chengdu's favor. Mm. Like, we shouldn't forget that, I guess. But oh, um, for sure. yeah. yeah, no, I was surprised how good Glad's actually looked for sure. Um, the I I it's that that is one of those things where. Like I didn't know how how they would fit into each other in the matchup, right? In the um, and mm. whatever they ran against each other, because you can only run those mind tests or like my um, what's it? What's the name I'm looking at? Uh, yeah, they, they, those those matchups in emulation, right? But you got to see it in order to really understand why mm -hmm. um, why it happened, what happened. So I don't know, like. Overall, like I was laughing, for instance, um, when when someone said, like, if you think that Leaf will get any dice against Kevster and Scoot in the backline, like you're in for something else. Now, for large parts of both series, especially early on into into both matches, if I remember correctly, Leaf was actually pounding. But then mm, they yep. seemed to be uh, able to figure that out. And also maybe there was some inconsistency in... Uh, Leaves play, which is very rare. I think that probably was a difference. Yeah, I'm gonna step up. I'm gonna step, and that's map dependent. You have to understand how good Tracer is on a control map versus like King's Row. It's like right. night and day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a there's a map difference there, but yeah, continue. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, I I think overall, like it's also it's it's actually really good that 
this happened in the way it did for for what it means for play-ins uh, and playoffs. Sorry, um, because I was if you have two teams that get to every single final or go very deep, if you have only two um, tournament winners, then it's very easy to think, okay, this. I mean, one of those two teams is going to win, or whatever. Yeah. Right? Like whatever play-ins doesn't mean much. Playoffs doesn't mean much. I was watching these matches thinking, once again, as I elaborate before, I don't know if it's that clear against the, t the top dog teams uh, of the season either. So mm -hmm. um, I think once again, like, I mean, I guess eventually but when we talk about the final, we can talk about Shu, but um, yep. the, 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 do you guys have this feeling where you're like, it should be totally fine to talk about how good Shu was this weekend without automatically like making him your MVP. Yeah. And of course. It contributing towards the fact that people will argue for that. <laughs> and it is so weird that you have to clarify that because mm. I would like to believe we live in a world where that's the normal thing. The normal thing to do is to talk about Shu and how well he played with without the context of the MVP of, of or him being MVP. Um that's what normal people would do, but I feel like yeah, I think you we you know you've we've you looked at enough socials where people got yeah. we where people got enough recency bias in their brains that you have to even bring that up now. So yeah, I understand. Yeah. But yes, the answer to your question is yes. Yeah. No, but he's a difference maker for sure. Um and I I don't know, like the the I wasn't I was barely lucid during the first series I gotta uh, gotta confess, the second one is of course more present uh, mm. in my mind. But yeah, like overall, um, the, after the, the thing is, the one thing I will say is, the first match didn't inform me how the final would go. Like oh, you sometimes have three twos where you're like, oh yeah, that team was clearly better, and like they kind of threw, and th if they can just like not throw, then it will be four zero or whatever, right? Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. That wasn't that match. Hmm. I was very much the opposite. Coming into this, I kind of had Glad's pegged as like the best potentially. Mm -hmm. But if they could reach that potential was a big question mark. Again, this is the Gladiators for God's sakes, you know, right. the team that like doesn't get to Hawaii. Um, and I didn't know if this was going to motivate them or if this was going to set them back, you know, just for the mental's sake. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, I think that narrative's definitely put to bed. You can take that out with a you know old yeller and just take it out behind the barn. Like these kids show up, they beat the shock when the shock looked great. They beat Chengdu and Chengdu's like God's forsaken meta. Like this is Glads are the real deal coming Did, into playoffs. They're they're right, not a team also, to mess around with. People keep saying this is like the perfect Chengdu meta, meta when you forget the fact that Leaves Best Hero is the Echo, which is totally. banned. Yeah. And that's what I have to keep reminding people of, like, no, 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 it's, it's not Chengdu's best meta no, when no. Echo is the number one pick for Lee that he wasn't allowed to play here. It's, um, it's not just that, the though, number one pick for him, right? He's mm -hmm. also just way better than everyone else, but maybe Profit, yeah. which, by the way, is, is another point we can talk about when we talk about Soul, how much well, we're, Profit We're going to get to Soul. We're, about to, we're just about to get there. Well, I'm going to wrap up the bow tie on Gladiators, the first half of the tournament for Gladiators, is, until we then reopen that for Christmas when we get to the Grand right. Finals again. Um, but for me, I think it just ends that I 
was very optimistic about gladiators which is why i had them in my grand final mm. again my 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 preds literally had glads in the grand finals because i knew their potential was high the reason right. why i didn't think they would beat chengdu is because i did not believe that gladiators were going to be clutch enough as a team to win those map fives to win those map sevens um which you know right now looks like you know well they won them and what a stupid thing to say but you then you have to remember the fact that every other team sorry every other time glads get to those late games versus mm. especially teams like atlanta but you know versus most teams they buckle and they choke mega hard they choke really hard in those like important map fives and they win them they look awful um and that was that to me has been the glads reputation for most of this year mm. so for me to to have a different opinion about gladiators and their ability to start winning those it takes a lot of convincing and yeah let's be clear about something i am convinced now because they've done it in a map five and a map seven so well done uh versus the team that i thought was going to win the entire tournament yeah but uh it, yeah it took a while for me to get to a place where where i thought glads was going to be that team i i will say like one quote from the podcast you had with hunter was stuck in my, stuck by my mind because in my mind i was like okay so what changed actually about the gladiators that they are now able to actually clutch this because they're still doing this this is like I don't know what they do in this. Like, you could argue may maybe it was effective. Like you don't like if you have a quality roster like this. Why are you running the double flex supports type of cutesy shit? Like you you just play like whatever. You, like you just play whatever, right? Like uh, whatever you're best at, and if you have the yeah. quality, you just win. And gladiators across their history, I feel like. Season one taught them almost like a bad message because when they ran that bastion shit and had like a bunch sure. of success with that, like yeah. that must have been like in the formative years of the pay as a coach, cutesy shit means good, they have and wins games in important situations. Therefore, we do that every time. And then like the great bamboozle just nailed that uh, coffin shut. And ever since then, like there's so much like curveball stuff in their uh, important series where it. Like more often than not, I feel in recent years, it has just thrown uh, the match balance off. Now, here's the difference why it worked this time and didn't work before. The Unter quote was one or two players can, at this level, can absolutely uh, like make you lose in, in mm. Overwatch, right? Glads doesn't have one or two bad players anymore in their roster when they're playing, can, can play brick comps. They just no. don't. Right, like there is no problem. <laughs> <laughs> no, like I'm, I mean, they are very clearly better on break comps, and yep, that doesn't right. necessarily speak to the quality of Moth as a main support, but probably more towards um, Glads as a team as it plays into Brigid. So, um, like everything else is just like either clearly above average to good to great to top tier right everything else on this mm. team right um even space honestly has surprised me uh this year uh how he played um so i think that's just the difference like you do not have a weakness on this clear weakness on this team like sorry mm -hmm. last year the backline was it's it's not a clear weakness for me but i definitely can name you a few heroes a few lineups that they could run that definitely will trip them up i think coming sure. into playoffs now that's a big you know crack out the yoga mat that's it that is a reach but 
to say this is, you know, just to curb expectations, I, I do have some some gripes with the roster overall. Um, but but mostly agree and credit to space. I thought that, you know, yes. moving forward, I thought that he had such a like spatially aware game throughout the entirety of that. You know, the the recontest, I think it was against I think it was against Chengdu where he like bombs and they recontest like three or four down. Um, the amount of like ultimates that he's just like flicking and eating he just had he was on like even leading into this i think one of the big reasons why they they're even here is thanks to space i think he's having a bang yeah. up year he's like the most underrated player on the team because yeah. i people don't bring up space enough everyone's like oh kips the trace is so good and bertrand carried on the hanzo and uh well actually I, maybe i don't know how much people talk about muse uh and then oh he's true mvp and skewed best spring yeah. and then you just kind of forget about space but no I re i've remembered space the entire time i've had space to me even when they were losing, was still a reasonably was a very good player. Mm. Uh, the only thing is, is I don't know if I trust space as much on the other heroes. I think his diva is currently top tier. Yeah, totally. Uh, and Glad's kind of need to run as much diva as possible. Which thankfully for them, diva is so integral to like all metas and all compositions that you can just one trick a diva right now. Um, so that's fine. Let's get into if we're all clear on the the early Chengdu Glad's because don't worry guys, there's more Chengdu Glad's to be had in terms of conversation. So we'll get back mm. in there. Seoul ended up dropping at Atlanta, which we all believe would happen. Chengdu drop to Glads here. And and the, you can, there's two variations here because I think we all believe that Glads would drop. And I'm now of the belief and was of the belief previously as well that even if Glads dropped early, they would still beat the Seoul Dynasty. So I, mm. I, I think we should pretty much all be in agreement that Seoul are going to lose early on, except yes. Yeska, who I believe had Seoul winning in that lower bracket game. Uh, I don't remember it might be your case yeah um so now you have to yes. justify a pick that you don't even remember doing <laughs> yeah no that's this <laughs> phantom pick that <laughs> i would have been against a different team right um, yeah yeah that would have been well, you would have had soul versus glads and gladiators. you would have had soul yeah, beating yeah. glads yeah i mean it's a complete underestimation of gladiators this weekend yeah and also um, soul. Yeah. I mean, of course. And I will also say, um, overall, possibly also influenced by the Atlanta situation. Mm -hmm. Which I, I guess we will talk about it, but I thought was pretty significant for, for them. Mm. Um, it's a surprising result, but... Yeah. I mean, the fact that Seoul meets... I think I had Atlanta winning as well. So then... Um, like, even if you think that... Uh, can we, real quick, can we pull up our preds from uh, last week? Is there a yep. way we can show that right now? Yep, yep. Eric, can you Continue us? while you... Yeah. Um, yeah, one second. The... The, um... So, Glad's, I said, will be Dynasty. Dynasty goes down. Mm -hmm. Hunters would be, be Gladiators. The fact that Chengdu, the team that I thought was going to win the final... Then meet met Seoul. I mean, I would have like ten out of ten times told you that Chengdu is going to beat Seoul. So that wasn't yeah. as uh ex, as uh interesting as much as uh Gladiators winning the first one. And that breaking my bracket. So talking about Seoul, dude, so I mean are you disappointed in Seoul's performance or is it what we expect? I'm gonna be real, this is what I expected. Mm. So my expectation was Seoul went on high, but yours were obviously a little bit higher, yes, guess so. Is that are you now? Where where's your opinion of Soul sitting in after this? 
Mm, I'm not sure if they were necessarily higher. I think I just said lower expectations for gladiators, right? Is what it means. Because, mm, okay. like, okay. if, like, in my mind, gladiators is not going to shove Chengdu down, right? And therefore, uh, like, Seoul has a chance in the lower brackets against gladiators, which, in hindsight, of course, doesn't make sense, even though I would have liked yeah. to uh, see that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, not really an underperformance by Seoul. I think this weekend it's pretty much a normal performance. Yeah, I think Which, it's a little, way, a little disappointing that they only could like push Atlanta so far with a heav heavily handicapped Atlanta. But yeah, because it goes to show that Chengdu and Glides both three owed Atlanta, and Seoul, you know kind of got handed by Atlanta. Well, to be fair, once you look at the score lines, it's a bit closer than that. 3-2 Hanamura, 5-4 Nambani, you know, it's a little bit closer than what mm. I'm selling. But really what I'm saying here is, and it's funny because I had people coming to my stream that were like, oh my God, I can't believe you're so low on Seoul. Like, no faith in Seoul. And my response to that is like, wait, you still have faith in Seoul? Like, what's yeah. wrong with you? How do you still have faith in Seoul? How many times do you need to be baited in and disappointed for you to learn your lesson? That's the that's my message to anybody. I can't believe there were people coming at me like, "Oh man, you you can't believe you're so low on Seoul." I'm like, you've been under, you been like sleeping under a rock, rock this nice season. Have you not watched Seoul games? How you not? How have you not low on Seoul as everyone else is currently? Like, I, I think after this result, now if you weren't before, you're you're like, okay, or well, now I get it. Now I can see why, you know, you don't really bet on Seoul currently. Yeah. Um, unless it's versus diffusion, apparently. So that's just a different can of worms. Mm -hmm. And now Seoul, okay, they're in playoffs, but and so this this game had high implications because yes. the, the winner of Chengdu Seoul literally goes straight to playoffs. Yeah. And the loser go to play-ins. Yeah. So Chengdu are going to Texas now, and Seoul go to play-ins where they have to face up against, um, I believe the winner of Fusion Hangzhou, yep. and there's yep. no guarantee that Seoul beat the winner of that. A Seoul could lose that. So it's hard. To, it's hard to tell. Now it's like Soul's fate is in a really interesting place. Volumel. Yeah, they're. Uh, I think for playoffs in particular, not to get too ahead, um, that may kind of play into their favor. Um, knowing them to be a very like one-dimensional. I think one trick is definitely not fair to say, especially with their recent performance. But very one-dimensional. They come prepared and they can execute on those one that one prepared strategy, but outside of that, um, much to uh, Fissure's chagrin. Uh, yeah, they, they tend to, to flop, and I Twist think that's what, what? we kind of saw. Chagrin? Are you making up words at the moment? or No, that's know. a real word. That's, that's a, a real, real word? word? Okay. Yeah. yeah, you can look it up. You can look it up. The more wow. you know. Look at him just grabbing his Oxford English Dictionary mid-ovation. Hey, you know, there's, at, there's, a, there's only Joe's a few face. words. Look at Joe's face chagrinning right now. Look at that. Anyway, that's not what the word means. Anyway, <laughs> um, if you don't have any other thoughts on Seoul, we're going to talk about Lantern now as we, as, as we start moving towards the finals. The one thing um, I'll say on Seoul, just to, okay, just to give it, credit where credit's due, I, I definitely pegged them worst. They were the worst, very clearly the worst. I thought Creative had a stellar game. Okay. That's it. All right. I'll give that to you. I think uh, Prophet still showed up versus even leave. There was a, a few yeah. moments, and then mm -hmm. Blizzard World was one of them where Prophet still had some really cool stuff going on. Um, he had some great performances there. So playoffs Prophet is we're gearing up. He's revving the D engine. He's you know slowly shifting into battle mode. 
I mean, that's another thing play in. that that's another thing that's possibly underestimated. As I said, like w where I wanted to talk about it uh, on Soul, dude. Like this guy has really significantly improved his echo. Like uh, mm. you know how no. awful he looked last uh, profit. Profit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Yeah. You know how awful he looked last year on that hero where people were like, ha ha ha, the goat, <laughs> you know, like really obnoxiously wrecking him for that, which fair, like I've like, it, it was just not good. There was some stuff, mm. I have like one particular game on Hollywood in mind that was just complete clown shoes, right? He has very clearly gr grinded that in the off season to a point where, I mean, I think Leaf and him are just a, a class of its own uh, in, in on Echo specifically. So... Like, coming into season playoffs, once again, don't want to spoil the next episodes, but, like, I think this is a very different soul than what we're currently seeing, even though Prophet once again shows up on, on, the, on Trace as well. Yeah, team might be just a little bit too heavy to carry here. Uh, Fitz had some good moments, but especially in the Atlanta game, but not enough to carry the team through. So just... Too few and, and far between for Seoul, unfortunately, even for the good players. So um, now that we move on to properly Atlanta, and you know maybe if you want to continue the Seoul discussion, we can start with Seoul Atlanta. But really, I think that's a that's a pretty you know said piece for Atlanta. It was about seeing them play Pelican on day one with I believe it was one sixty one seventy ping, mm. and then on day two they couldn't play Pelican again because he was on two hundred ping. So yeah. that and that was only in the Glads game, and then versus the Chengdu game, Pelican came in again. So Atlanta versus Glads, no Pelican, Edison only was definitely a weaker look for Atlanta. That's putting it lightly. Mm. Um, and then versus Chengdu, you can still see that it just wasn't. This just is not the same Pelican. Hyping Pelican is just not the same. Uh, but I'm not gonna. I'm not just looking at only Pelican saying, "Oh, it's you know, this is because Pelican was on hyping, or it's just, that's the one reason." Mm. But it was, um, it's one of many reasons. It's probably the, the forefront reason. It's probably the, the first reason you think of. Uh, and then beyond that as well, there were some good performances by Kai on McCree and Hanzo, as you would expect them to. Pretty standard stuff there. Um, I'm trying to, sp I'm trying to remember if there were any specifics from Atlanta that I felt like cost them this tournament or this series. Or any of the series, um, and I don't want to just have it generically, generically be like, oh yeah, they got team diff because Chengdu are a much better team. <laughs> but honestly, Chengdu were also just actually just a much better team. Yeah, yeah. I, there was a couple picks that I definitely uh, weren't super high on. I think they made sense in certain matchups, but it seemed like there was a, a bit too much Torb for my liking. Uh, personally, it didn't feel like it was really finding a ton of value. If I'm going to be completely honest, I hey, get... Joe, the tor turret doesn't turret doesn't get affected by ping. It's genius. It's true. That is true. You you do uh, auto aim. Uh, I've seen that argument throw around quite a lot. Uh, crossfires are very nice, but uh, I think there's some better picks. Um, I do appreciate the fact that Atlanta Rain um, continues to run Reinhardt, and I think it is kind of interesting given the map. Um, but I think that kind of locked them into certain areas. Um, I think it was verse glads. Uh, I could be remembering wrong. They, they also tried to play like... the hunters. They also yeah. played the, the Ryan versus hunters. Yeah. It, it, I just have and their Jimu, Hanamura laugh. Jimmy yeah. thought that was hilarious. He's like, okay, that's a free one. I think it, I, it might've been against 
I don't I, I for the life of me I can't remember I know it's just on Hanamura A and they're trying to attack into it and they keep trying to like TP in and it just isn't going anywhere like oh yeah yeah you know what I mean I like that. it's it was it was just a little bit too much I did like their uh aggression versus soul I thought that was fantastic really picking profit out was, was good especially on control I think it was Busan um but yeah um thought I'd see a little bit more Kai little bit more flexibility yes it sucks that pelican was uh as uh, handicapped as he was um also very interested in the speed at which they played the far i thought that could have been ping related but i'm not entirely too sure um yeah overall just as another shitty situation that they're kind of thrown uh, into and i feel for him. does anyone have maybe i just i want to know if it's just me or if anyone mm-hmm. else agrees with this but did anyone have this kind of iris versus shoe thing going on because to me i did and the reason for that is because both players have been very well known for their baps this yeah. year to the point mm-hmm. where they're like they could be the number one and number two baps in the entire league right it could mm-hmm. be yeah and so i was very specifically paying attention to like well now we get to know who's the better baptiste player is it iris or is it shoe mm-hmm. yeah oh definitely i think look, you say it well like both extremely good at baptiste i would I mean, I think it gets more towards uh, maybe Roll Stars discussion where I'm headed, but yeah, I think that's not a not a terrible narrative. Mine well, just was... compare just compare the teams. Yeah. I mean, they literally played against each other. So, 100%. does anyone have any uh, opinions on the Iris shoe thing in the, the literal matchup? Or I have I have more. I mean, I was more interested in how little it seemed like Brig was doing in a lot of these games, um, but. That's just me. Because my opinion on this, I thought Iris was quiet. I thought Iris and Master were quiet. Yeah. Uh, in both their series, like I, I think we normally see a lot more carry potential out of Iris. Like all the good moments that Shu had this tournament, like oh my god, Shu, mm-hmm. look at this clutch window, look at this clutch play. That's what I expected Iris to also be doing. Because I, I remember Atlanta having that capability. I remember Iris mm-hmm. also being that type of player that you know is able to bail Atlanta out of situation with just fantastic play but i feel like that was just kind of missing let's let's be very clear though like even statistically there just isn't anyone that plays bab like shu does like this flanky type of thing taking duels getting like picks from the sidelines using window only on yourself and getting heavy value with that like nobody plays it like so uh, a really successful con is what you're saying right like double as successful at these that particular part of bab than anyone mm. else because if you look at like solo kill statistics like there's not a 20 percent difference it's like he has twice as much as the second guy it almost looks like a statistical error uh in the way like it's like yeah 0.5 kills per 10 solo kills per 10 the next guy has like 0.22 or something like it's it's completely it's, it, like that stat in itself has a lot of lot of room for exploration in terms of like what does that mean does he is he just more on angle uh, on flanks is he not calling out like the kill targets he gets is he rarely coordinating like there's a lot of reasons why that uh, might be happening but um like it is just completely different from everyone else in, in the league i think they play around him quite a lot um, I think the positioning for even for the gladiator support line outside of even just 
Baptiste. Um, they do have a tendency to choke up their support line quite heavily, especially on certain plays. Um, not only that, but he gets a lot of attention from space, especially when you look at like Chung Du King's row, I think third. Um, lots of dive attempts go on to him. He lamps himself. Space is always looking at him. He has skewed right next to him. Like you're you're not gonna kill him. Um, and even when they do end up running the uh, the double flex, like it, it's not a non-factor when you throw a discord on him on a mercy and you have the Baptiste kind of rattling it down. Like there is a lot of value in trying to like mitigate that through how aggressive Shu can be. Like he does get some resources, yeah. but he also performs extremely well with them. To be fair. I'm glad you brought up the double flex because that was going to be my next and maybe final point about Atlanta here is that I think uh, Gladiator has exposed a yeah. major weakness in Atlanta reign as far as this matchup goes. Uh, for, for the most anyone that's supporting Atlanta and is wondering if, if I sh they should be worried about this, uh, my answer is no, that you know we're going to playoffs meta. It's probably not going to yeah. be as relevant. But specifically because Orissa had so much playtime in the Countdown Cup, like way more playtime than I thought. I still remember like episodes many episodes ago where mm. we're like you know we were kind of theorizing what possible comps and we were like yeah it's probably just going to be like 90 percent ball and maybe like a tiny bit of arista for teams that want to force it and then arista ended up being like 50 percent of the game time even yeah. from teams like chongdu right um so the point i'm trying to get to is there's a lot of arista mirrors that ended up happening and i don't know if anyone remembers but we have had double shield metas we have had arista mm -hmm. metas and some of the back lines you saw during those Arisa meters were double support, double flex support, Bap Zen specifically, and Gladiators because Skewed's a very unique player who has a Zen. Who, actually, he's a he's a flex support player who has who has the typical Zen and a you know plus then a break. And there's very few flex support players that then also have like in a very good break and i was going to say serviceable but that that just doesn't sell it skew doesn't have a serviceable break he, he might have the best break he might actually have the best break and then to, on top of that he's also a flex support player so that gives gladiators in this very specific meta where you're seeing arisa versus arisa mirrors the capability to run double flex support when rain can't because yep. master's not going master's not going to be your zen player if anything a lot of main support players end up playing the map but your best bat player is obviously Iris. Mm. So they're kind of screwed. Like Atlanta cannot match this double flex support. So the way you normally count, because it's kind of like rock, paper, scissors, the way you normally count a double flex support is you go hard dive, tracer, ball, etc., and you just farm the supports because they have no ability to counter right. flanks and defend right. themselves. Um, but Rain weren't in a position to do that because they're not going to be the ball team. Rain are, are typically not a ball team. They'll play it and they'll force it on certain controls, but otherwise they want to play Arista. That's like Gator's best hero, one of his best heroes. So Rain kind of catch themselves into a hard place where they would they would love to play Arista because that's Gator's hero, mm -hmm. but they can't mash the double flex support, which means they get gapped in in the straight up mirror uh, from a flex from a from a support difference because double flex support just has high, much higher output compared to like a bap break it's just oh, you get outclassed and I, I feel like rain got outclassed because of that compositional difference 100 percent. and i think as we saw teams begin to qualify for hawaii you saw an interesting adaptation where if approached with a double flex support you'd see a lot of the teams that were still playing their main supports try to force some sort of mercy pocket for this hanzo pick that i thought was interesting Yep. Um, and we didn't see that out of Atlanta for, you know, X, Y, Z reason. 
Um, but you saw a little bit. You saw a little bit. Sure, touches here and there. Um, but I think majority of the time, if memory serves, uh, Masa was on Brig, just kind of. Yeah. God bless him. He tried his heart out, but there's really nothing to proc inspire. You're whip shotting on cooldown. You're having to pack uh, everything. Like, there's really no nothing for you to do. Yeah, it's <laughs> I f- I feel for the guy 100. percent And I also like. When I talk about like the, the the difference in tempo and like how the game is played, not necessarily how teams are approaching engagements, but just like how the rhythm of the game is feeling. There's one uh, clip of Gator on King's Row. I think it's versus the Gladiators on, on point A where he shields the the initial corner or the uh, the hotel corner has his shield pop. He backs up, doesn't really have any other cooldowns and just has to like face tank a discord orb and a volley straight to the face and just gets like blown up instantly. You saw it on. Uh, I think it was Oasis on University constantly getting discorded, constantly getting blown up. His, once that first shield's gone, you don't have much else to work with. You don't have anything else. And you, it's not like you can answer back with your own Discord to match because you're playing Masa. It's it's a catch-22, and that was a, another, like I said, a big reason why I, I kind of mm-hmm. um, pushed Gladiators a little bit. Um, that, that double flex was a really, really astute look and something that they were very uniquely uh, capable of doing. Yeah, I I think this uh, mercy mm. adaptation is first of all, it's the thing that teams do when they can't do double flex support. Yeah, and even teams that, by the way, have two flex supports in the lineup, you can't just slot in your second flex support. This oh. is not a situation when you're like, let's pretend Dallas and Shanghai here. You can't just do repel fielder. You can't just do easy Akimoli. And for anybody wondering, like, why isn't the whole purpose? The reason is, is that specifically that double flex support lineup fails once it goes up against a dive like that's mm-hmm. a bad matchup for it yep. so there's a very clear rock paper scissors here so if you play let's for, say for example easy Molly, you are trapped now yep. on double flex support and you don't want to be trapped which is why skewed is so big for this team because you're not trapped into playing that if you go up against a dive cool skewed goes brig now mm-hmm. and his brig's the number one so fuck it you're you're fine you are more than fine so you're set to go in any direction that is such a unique and crazy good lineup situation in the back line for a composition that is just like, I mean, i got to hand it to Gladiators for nailing that pickup. Uh, I remember on my co-stream, I was like, dude, I think, I think Deepay has like got 3 million IQ here. How has he done this? Yeah, he's, yeah. he's purchased Moth away from the Shock in order to completely ruin the Shock. Don't even then play Moth because he doesn't need to. And so he's just got a two for one where he's got an insane back line with shoes skewed and he's ruined the Shock at the same time. Like what, what a clever person. It's, it's also like you gotta recognize that, like I mean, moth is probably not inexpensive, and to then still just say, "Look, we're not pla- we're not playing like the contract volume here. We're playing whatever is best." But at the same time, like that, to be able to get rid yourself of the bias of like wanting to play moth, and actually doing it and doing it to that degree where it's, I mean, skewed like this guy is just like was entirely underappreciated by everyone else. Like, I don't think they had too much competition on him, right, in the preseason. And that guy just replaced basically <laughs> the best main support uh, of the last two years, if you want, right? So, yeah. um, to, it, like, to stick to your guns and just play whatever you believe, that is, I mean, in essence, brought them the championship now. Yeah, I... 
Glads are a funny team, aren't they? Because they are equally a team that's willing to spend big time, like for example, Decay, yeah, in his debut season, but also a team that this season with the skewed pickup, one probably I have to imagine he's not that expensive because yeah. no one else was going for him. They won massively in value. Like skewed must be one of the players that has the highest value if you put it on a on yeah. an XY graph right in terms of value for price yes this is what i'm going for yep. he must be one of the most valuable players in that regard kind of like arns as rookie year with shock right almost yes which to be fair is a little bit lucky in the sense that we did we have a break ban yet i don't think we did right nope yeah no. so i mean who it knows zen then lucio yeah so that's a that's a that boosts the value, right, of that of a player like that, and that break is also very viable in the meta. Like, um, but yeah, no, like overall, like the, once again, like sometimes your fifty k, and I'm not saying I'm, I'm sure he's making more than minimum. Oh, but, that's a leak. No, it's not. <laughs> um, not a leak. But sometimes your your least expensive player is just the guy that brings the most value, and if you just have, mm-hmm. once again, we're talking about redundancy, um, you're just more flexible. And yes, you can't, like you have to negotiate that against the adverse effects of having a bit, bigger roster, maintaining that, keeping everyone happy. But at the same time, like it's really hard to argue like that it hasn't created value for some of the teams in the competition and has also yeah. broken a bunch of teams. Like, can you, can you imagine where Dallas would be with... Like how different the season might have gone if XCI was actually there, or if they had a capable hit scan to the Vixen same was degree. There? Yeah, is it a hard take to say they would have had a worse season? I almost think Dallas have gone where they are because of the circumstances. I actually think if they if they didn't kind of force the meta and like skew the meta the way they did, you know, mm-hmm. uh, part of me thinks Dallas would be far more cookie cutter as a team, and that would give them less results. Obviously, this is very Possible, hard theory yeah. crafting. Yeah. yeah. But that's just my take. Yeah. Um, I, I want to zoom in on the Chandu Hunters versus Los Angeles Gladiators final now because we mm. talked plenty about the other matches. Uh, let's just go straight to the finals here. Obviously, the big thing to talk about is the difference between the finals and the way they matched up the first time. The, the, one of the key differences for me was that Lee played a lot more Trace in the finals. I think one of the... One of the... Um, things going against Chengdu that I think they did poorly in that opening matchup versus Glads was that Lee forced way too much Sombra. It's not even just the Sombra, by the way. It's everything else that wasn't the Tracer. Mm. And because Lee wasn't playing a lot of Tracer, which is one of his best picks, you have Kefster doing whatever he wants. In order to challenge Kefster on the Tracer, I feel like you, de- you need your own Tracer because otherwise he's out of control. And not only was Lee not playing Tracer, because Jim Moo's then also playing the Farah, far away or monk is just the flex support is just sitting there getting farmed because he's getting he can't there's no help only late young can peel and late young can't just sit on this one dude for the whole game when he's got an entire team to work uh to to help so i think leave playing the tracer in the finals definitely helped out chung do a lot more but that being said glads was still up three and one yeah Yeah. Uh, i mean if there was anybody to make it look possible that hanzo could kind of contain a tracer player, it, it definitely is leave. I'm still 
constantly reviewing. I don't even think this was in the final. I think this was in their first matchup, but uh, how he cancels Birdring's EMP by just like shooting the guy in the oh head. Oh my God. Yeah, like, that was beautiful. Yeah. You can't. You, this kid doesn't miss. He has to try to miss. Like it's it's insane. Obviously, the Sombra is a different uh, story altogether, but uh, yeah, in general, um, I 100% agree. Uh, best way that they probably could have marched forward was to kind of move him off of the Hanzo and probably onto the Tracer. Um, and we did see that, especially as the series went on. If anything, I think that was probably the catalyst to have them kind of regain a little bit momentum. Um, but then you start to really, like, I think we fairly accurately predicted, you know, if it's not the, if it's not the Farah, then what is Jinmu necessarily playing? The Sombra also is kind of hit or miss. Sombra Genji, that's it. Sombra yeah. Genji. That, that's, that's really all they got. And then you still have the issue when you do play the Farah, which looks reasonable enough. Obviously, it was a, was a tool that they pulled out quite, quite a bit. Like you, like you said, Monk just kind of is on an island. If Atal has to be around with the team, you know, protecting Jinmu as he you know, throws himself at the enemy team. One thing I will say that uh kind of foreshadows their playoff performance is that Chengdu is not a clean team. Um there's there's plenty of people, especially within our community, um, that are little stats gremlins that look at, you know, the Chengdu hunters and look at some of their best heroes. And I think a lot of the the discussion around it is has been a surprise that some of the heroes that you would kind of point towards as some of their best aren't statistically uh as impressive as you would assume. Not all, just some. Um, and I think that does come for the fact that it seems like they're not a clean team fight team. They always seem to be like one down having the mercy come in for that clutch res and they play off of that kind of chaos really, really well. Um, I don't know Are if you that clutching with a three K. Yeah. Standard yeah. Stuff. It's I, I don't know how well that's going to provide for them. Uh, once we get into the playoffs, it could they could hide under the chaos of the meta. Maybe things get a little messy. Maps are uh, very colorful in terms of what styles are being run. Maybe they can hide hide behind it. But that'd be real. Not that I've not not that I've ever not been real on the show. <laughs> I, I have to clarify that after Leas said what he said earlier. But uh, I, I think there's a lot more chaotic moments in the scan than there are like orderly oh, moments. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, Chengdu can easily thrive in that because they can create a lot of chaos, especially with Bull totally. Dive. Um, so, okay, you also had the situation, by the way, where Chengdu were kind of changing up a few members. We had Nisha coming in for Numbani, mm. and then you had, uh, I think, Amung and Farway came in for uh, Route 66. Um, and so yep. it seemed like Chengdu were just swapping pieces around. It's kind of classic Chengdu. First of all, we'll say this much. Yvelto and Nisha, uh, to me, are almost like a one-for-one. One. Almost doesn't even matter which one you play, and they're both pretty good. They play Nisha for one map, decide it wasn't yeah. good, and they put Yvelto back in. Yep. Um, I was a little surprised by the Among Farway pick. I'm not too sure what that was about. the. There is like a fan theory, and to be fair, this fan theory has some legs on it, that they wanted to just give Monk and Gaga a little bit of space away, allow them to mentally reset, and maybe to observe the game from like, you know, from the outside a little bit, the outside in, just have a look at how the game's going, what they can be doing. Mm -hmm. So for example, Gaga, just looking at what Among's doing and seeing how Glad's react to that, improves his gameplay when he comes back in, which I think has some legs, so it's not that wild of a fan theory, but yeah. it does seem quite interesting that Chengdu were this willing to like flex their subs. I, I actually have some info on that um, from a previous game where that also happened, where they brought in Among when they were down. And 
I assume it was the same here, is that Amon coming in is a, is a mental shift. Like, he just provides a, a certain mental reset to the team. Um, I mean, you're 3-1 down. Like, maybe you've, you, you're, like, discouraged or that you, like, the coaches realize the comps are breaking up or whatever it is. Mm. You just like you can't sit there, just try the same thing and just take the loss, right? And I mean, you gotta say it kind of worked in in the end, right? Like the the substitution sort of like that, like dampened the fall. They did lose the map. They, they did they, lose the map. Yeah. coming in, coming came in on, but yeah, I, they did come back Let, after that. Let's also like yes, Glatz won, but there were. If it wasn't for one moment, this game was won by Chengdu Hunters. I like if I guess we can talk about that moment now, but yeah, if yeah, Shu does not pl do what he did there, so okay, let's set that up, right? On Havana, on Havana, yes. right? They they have a minute left or something, was it two minutes even or something like that? It didn't they, change, they ha definitely have time left, right? Yeah. Jinmu still had his blade, they are like two people up in the fight. That fight is over until it wasn't, right? Then Chu kills one. Like, Jinmu has to pull Blade. That's already big. Like, that's where it should stop, by all rights. And then, then you can't really say, okay, what, whatever happens after once Jinmu pulls the Blade. If Jinmu has the Blade and they go into third, I think, like, this, everything there is like a 75% chance that Chengdu wins the map if Shu doesn't make, uh, make that play. The... F there is no business for Glatz to win that fight. And it's not even that it's really about, like, having made a, like an incredible mistake. I guess you could, uh, um, like, uh, request, like, Jinmu to, to be more disruptive towards what Shu was doing and, like, shining down more and just, like, I'm not sure what the cooldown situation on his part was like. But this, like, I guess in first person, like, it doesn't look super impressive mechanically, but all of that in decisions making and like w the impact that play had is EQO level, like pulls the blade and mm -hmm. decides the map and ultimately decides the match. I think like if, if he doesn't pull that, if he just gets one, Chengdu wipes it, Jinwu never has to pull blade, they go into third, they just have to wipe it once. They have a, I think they even have like two or three ults advantage. It felt like it was over. And then it wasn't. And, like, I think, like, discussing that match in, under, like, just how close it was and also how devastated they felt, like, I don't know. And, okay, that's also my soapbox moment. But, like, why the fuck did it take so long for me, for us to say, see the first person play? Like, th no, that's inexcusable. I'm sorry. If you're broadcasting yeah. hi highlight moments uh, or, like, the highest level of um, Overwatch... You want, like, you can miss that play. It's, it's not, like, in, in the moment that it happens, right? You mm. gotta have it ready, bro. Like, you know what Shu does. As we have explained, like, this guy gets on flanks and gets kills. That is something that should, put, uh, should happen in your so research. So the observers didn't stop the Shu fast enough. Even if you don't, you should have, like, a backups observer that has to replay directly after... So, like, they even interrupted the play of the game that shoot, that was also shoot, getting that kill. All of that was a complete breakdown of, like, celebrating a great movement that unfortunately lessened uh, the enjoyment of it. And I think the first, the first time we got to see it was only on the Watchpoint post-show.
which I'm sorry is inexcusable if you want to highlight. Uh, I'll be straight about something. They usually skip the play of the game. Yeah, right. I think it was just thing. like a funny coincidence that like that looked like it was going to be the game of the the play of the game. They end up cutting it short anyways. Yeah, it's not like it's not. Yeah. I don't. That wasn't a broadcast mistake. They no. they normally skip that. That's still right. pretty standard. The broadcast mistake uh, is not to have. I'm not sure what broke down. Like usually, my understanding is like you have the main observer, the like the. Uh, it's not the producer. Um, director. Director. Uh, the director makes the calls where the camera should be on and whatnot, and who to go to. Like you gotta have an observer in that situation. You gotta have one on on shoes. So you have a replay right after that moment is over. I'm sorry. Like that needs well, to be the, the way the replay ops works. Is there's a there's a specific replay operator whose only job is to handle replays, right. and they have to go back in time. I don't know if you've seen the, the how the replays work in the Overwatch League, but they have to not clip the replay, but they have to like play. They have to like replay. It's like if you go in the replay view right. of Overwatch League today, yeah. and you just kind of rewind, you replay the moments. So it's kind of similar to that. Um, but it's also like so for one, you have to like go back and find that, uh, which you know even if you do it instantly, takes you a few seconds, five seconds. Sure. The other issue is you're deep enough in the game where there's about a minute left, there's actually less than a minute left after Shu makes that play, mm. and it's a very important moment for the Hunters to reset up for their final push, that if you if you go for this replay, you are, at minimum, you are going to be, you know, uh, missing Chengdu Hunters' initial setup and what they're going to do, what Glads are going to do earlier as well, and setting up for what the final fight for the grand final is going to be, which I think is very important. Uh, or at worst, you're just you're just gonna fucking miss the whole thing, aren't you? You're gonna play this replay, and it's okay, cool. You see the frags, very good. But if I'm casting this, and you ask me, would you, would I rather see that replay straight away, or would I rather just look at what the fuck's going on next, so I can set up the final fight of the grand finals on map number seven and package that up and send it home? I say cut the kill the replay. I don't want to see that. Don't give me the replay. I don't want it. The thing is, like. There's so much downtime, is is there not between those two fights? It wasn't. It wasn't. You, you that's a hot, that's a risk you take as well. Is mm. how much downtime do you think there really is? Because if you get that wrong, yeah. I'm sorry, but you you've ruined the grand right. finals. But if even, you get if you miss, it's a very high risk. Even if you don't play it there, like you gotta show it after like, you sh sh showed the pl yeah. players celebrating the next and everything. Time yeah. after the yeah. grand yes. finals, probably don't wait till watch point is what you're saying, really, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. I can agree with that. I can agree with that. Yeah. Um, Even leading into watch point, it's just like I think you have to when you when you have plays like that, I think you have to make an audible. That's exactly what the fans want to see. That's exactly what people want to talk about. Nobody wants to review that control. Nobody wants to review the escort, the two CP. Everybody wants you to talk about that play. Yeah. How crazy it was. How crazy it was that Shu had 70 HP going on a flank and just hearing the call that it was winnable. Let me hear the comms. Obviously, I don't yeah, know that yeah. they have that like readily available when it comes to like the oh, communications. Definitely not but, the comms. <laughs> but like that's that's you, I don't know. I, I, I do side with Fisky here just ever so slightly when it comes to like, yeah, that's that's a moment you just can't miss. I think we'd be saying the same thing if you took like a, a Widowmaker and gave him an open field. And it's just oh. like you have to hit these shots, bro. I, I, see I, think I see what you're saying, but I've, to me, it's more of a pick your poison. Uh, and sure. the slightly weaker poison is I would rather just see what the hell is going to go. I'd rather see the preamble for the final fight of the grand finals. Sure, I agree with you. Rather than see a replay that we can look at later. I agree. Because if we, if we don't get that preamble, which some people might be like, why is that important? I'm like, okay, well, you just... <sighs> 
you yeah. clearly don't know anything about narrative. Um, yeah. You know, you you need the setup. I need to see what the hell's going on. I need to know where Chengdu are standing on the map. I need to know where Glads are standing on the map. I need to know exactly where the ultimates are, who's got a potential, where the possible win conditions are, because we're mm -hmm. heading into OT here. It's super important as a color caster. I do not want to be looking at a replay at that specific moment in time. And if you throw me into a replay, you've kind of just you've denied any possible setup for this final fight of the fucking grand finals so i, yeah, I will I'm, say i'm glad there wasn't a replay personally for me i i will say like maybe my gripe isn't actually with the production but actually with the way overwatch plays because in every other esport you would just have that moment ready bleed you you would have it with comms you would have it in the downtime whatever like you would get that play and it would be posted everywhere on social media now the first time i saw that clip is because someone retweeted like one of the observers uploading their own clip uh, mm -hmm. onto Twitter.com in shit quality with the worst video player yeah. ever. Like, and I had to make out those three pixels moving in very interesting ways in order to have any feelings to what. That's I'm sorry. Like, yeah, that has to be like that's just Overwatch. Then is just like not satisfying. The 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 real solution. And this is some hardcore 2020 hindsight. The real solution would have been if we just caught it on the Observer yes. Live at yes. the time. That that's the real solution. Yeah, but, but I understand I mean, not having that because it's like you you go you kind of want to be on Jinmu with the blade, right? Like of course, yeah, makes sense. But as soon as Jinmu dies, and I think he dies second, if I'm maybe I'm completely they were so they were on Late Young and then. Uh, they were on Late Young, who, by the way, funny enough, wasn't putting Matrix on the on the window. I think he, even he was surprised. Mm. Late Young was going for the kill into Skewed. Mm. He gets DMX. Jimmy yep. Blades. Um, they're actually still on Late Young's Baby Diva, and then Baby Diva dies, and then they're on Shu after that. So no, they don't get to see Jimmy. I think Jimmy dies too fast. And that's the other thing. Shu also deleted a blade. Yep. Just the impact yeah. of that that play. I think everyone was stunned and surprised by how effective that was going to be. Yeah. Totally. Um, yeah, hundred percent. So, like, I don't, I don't blame the production or the observing team, um, including the replays, all that much. I think it really, for my gripes, it comes down to how is that not like the overarching celebration along with the gladiators narrative, uh, you know, coming off of a break or even like leading into the break. How is that not something that you're just looping? As as goofy as that's, that might sound, that's the thing, be. dude. Like it will be. Like Still plenty of opportunity. This is like our called zero jumps with wings up, blah 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 moment. Like this is our simple clutch moment, and we're mm -hmm. just like, it's sad that a we won't see any recognition of that on the map. We won't like we we didn't get to fully enjoy that moment while it happens. Probably not getting comps with that because maybe someone might have said a curse word. In other esports, they don't care. Right. Right? Like, bleep it out, or whatever it is, right? Like, I'm sure someone said, like, shoo, you're nuts, or whatever. I want to hear that in the moment, yeah. right? Also, like, don't post... Like, Glad's coming out with, like, a social media tweet going, like, oh, yeah, this is the winning... Like, this is the moment when shoo... Like, in, in one and a half weeks, I don't care anymore, then. You ruined the yeah. moment. Like, that, that's over. Like... I don't know. Like, there has to be a way. Maybe the game needs to change for that to be more accessible to us or whatever it is. Slower game, Overwatch 2, 5v5, longer respawn times. You heard it here first. Uh, that's just my wish list. What the hell? It, it, the problem is the gameplay's worse then, right? Like, um, mm, that's different. I don't know. That's worse. It's just different. different. Yeah. Yeah, I don't it's know. Different. It's.
it's just we're not, we're not line getting is, down I'm a rabbit hole. Yeah. We're not going down a rabbit hole of like of that though. We're gonna we're gonna uh, finish talking about right. this very briefly because we've spent a long time on the on this recap now, and we For haven't sure. talked about MVP yet. Um, so I don't know if there's anything else people want to add to the finals as we we kind of most of the conversation of the finals just ended up being about um, shoes play and all that kind of stuff and um yeah look it ended up coming down to the wire leave showed a little bit of wood on havana havana ended up being the map seven i'm still thinking you know could there have been another map where maybe chongdu could have won and just wrapped this one up but at the same time they were really far behind so no not really uh glads were the ones at 3-1 so it's hard to and part of me almost thinks that maybe glads could have cleaned up earlier yeah. than the four two uh, four three could have been a four two instead so um wrong yeah uh, now that we we let's officially shift gears a little bit i assume everyone's done i don't think there's too much more to talk about for the grand finals we've kind of yeah uh gone pretty much into it now that we've seen all the people play now that we've seen all the results now that we've seen shoes crazy good players as all of the internet has wild recency bias towards Shu now. Um, the official MVP and 2021 awards ballot were given out. And, you know, this is different from the public voting. So the public voting is only for the MVP. And that accounts for 25% of the total weighting towards the MVP award. And the 75% of the weighting comes from um, Overwatch League staff, broadcast talent, media surrounding media and just other people internally in the league um that's what you go when i were doing when we submitted ours when did you submit yours i'll i'll share mine in a second but did you submit yours quite uh, early or did you no recently? no i i had we had to till sunday i did it on saturday i think so the saturday before the grand finals yes yeah uh i'll be straight i did mine before the finals weekend entirely i did mine after play-ins sorry after knockouts but before the actual hawaii matches i mean so i, I will also say there should and was zero impact of whatever happened that weekend anyway like how i'm how you going to condense every like no yeah. matchup in my mind was so close that this weekend would have like tip the scales Wait, and that's so. and that's what i had to argue to my stream early to some people like oh, i can't believe you did that like well you're just discounting counting the cup i'm like no i'm discounting recency bias <laughs> because in my mind there should be no possible change in my opinion yeah. of where the awards are being placed due to one weekend's worth of games here dude it should not change if the, if they are then I'm a fucking slave to recency bias. Like, oh my god, I can't believe true. Oh, I better change my entire MVP uh, vote to true now. Like, uh, there's no, there's zero chance that happens. It's the most frustrating, like, situations are where you are fed up with the with the concept of recency bias. Like every season, we talk about recency bias. If I re read recency bias brought up as an argument, like most of the time, I go like, duh. Like, everybody knows, like, it, it's not interesting anymore for you to bring, to bring that up. I'm annoyed by recency bias. And still, despite it being a dead, deadbeat horse, right, mm. we still haven't entrenched that in people, like, on all levels, apparently. It is mm -hmm. unreal. Like, how much more can we point out that this is malware running on your brain OS? Like, it's, it's basically, 
it's there, dude. Like, that's malware. And you're like, yeah, I recognize this is malware. So are you going to do anything about it? Shoe MVP, bro. Like, just don't. That is so annoying. Like, and in general, just like, take this seriously. It really, really matters. It matters towards the legacy of players. It matters towards the income of the players. Bro, the difference of what players make in terms of like, if there's a role star thing mm -hmm. attached to them or not, is nutty. Like, that, it's not inconsequential. You are deciding history yeah. and you are deciding how lives go further. And the, it should be taken seriously. And you should probably, like, sit down with the statistics, review footage for every single pick you're making. It should probably be like a day that you take in order to decide. Uh, unless Wait, you... you mean I shouldn't just vote for my favorite player? Dude, this, uh, uh, it tilts me. It tilts also, me. Also, yeah, you're right. It does affect income. It affects my income as well because, you know, Leave promised me that he'd share that $50,000 bonus with me. Uh, he said that he would pay me $10 if I gassed him up to the rest of the world. And so, hey, look, you know, I'm all about it. 10 bucks is 10 bucks at the end of the day. I'm here to do my job. So, yeah, thank you, Leave, for eventually paying me that money. Um, as, you know, what it comes down to is uh, my justification is, is just the fact that, you know, um. The only way the Countdown Cup tournament itself would change my mind on my picks is if I was sitting on the fence and incredibly yeah. undecided and I need like just a tiny bit more evidence yep. to sway either way. But the, yep. the thing is, I, I was already decided. I wasn't sitting on the fence. Yep. I was very firm and I was very conclusive in my decision-making and so much so that I did not believe there could be any result that would change my mind. And lo and behold, there was no result that changed my mind. Zero. Yeah. Nothing changed my mind from this at all as we will discover as we'll start moving some uh through some of these so i don't know does anyone have else have any context you know sort of preamble context as to as to why they made the choices they made maybe you know? for because talking before the show it seemed like yiska definitely uh struggled on some picks but uh this one felt pretty easy really to be completely honest yeah i so are you talking about the role on a couple but felt pretty easy for me Dude, uh, the old wrecked me I don't know. Really? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I I felt very strongly about uh, a lot of picks coming into this. Um, I think if anything, support. I had some questions that were quickly uh, put to rest by uh, by way of the stats lab. And uh, yeah, yeah. Let's pretty quick roll out the red carpet for our number one pick. Eric, do the honors. Uh, it should come to zero surprise for anybody. It's leave across the board. Uh, we've talked plenty of, about this in the past. Everyone has talked. We've on this show specifically talked about why we believe Lee was a front runner. Um, so I don't know if there's anybody else that even wants to add anything to that. I think we've spent every single episode at least a little bit like, yeah, who's the MVP front runner? Is it still Leaf? Okay, good. And then we just move on again. Um, so I essentially, the the cliff notes is best player adds the most value to his team, has a great storyline as to why. He's probably, you know, deserving anyway. Mm. I think the the honorable mention, right, is uh, the interesting part. And I think there's only two names that you should be uh, able to bring, bring up. And none of them shoot, by the way. Um, True. So I think the, the close, relatively close runner-up, even though, yeah, I don't want to give too much away for, for the work I did, but like, I, I think it wasn't actually particularly close when you consider everything. But mm. Leaf, uh, Lip was second for me mm -hmm. yep. 
And then the other guy you can bring up is Fearless just because of like the melee performance and then the general performance in NA whenever he could play Winston because nobody challenged him uh, to that degree, right? Um, I disagree, but... I think everyone else is, is probably too far away yeah. uh, in terms of like how much have they played, how important... Is their play towards the team's outcome? How mm. good are they in com direct comparison to other competitors in their role? Um, I think, like, for me, Lip and Fearless are the only other guys who can realistically really argue this season. I, I definitely had a lot to think about in terms of the Lip leave side of things, even though I think towards the end I was very much on Leave's side of the fence. Um, Lip is a clear second place to me. In fact, if I could just give out a second MVP, it would, yeah. it would go to Lip, no questions asked. Um, and I know there's a lot of this is like a weird community narrative, by the way, where like, like I'm some like massive leave peddler. Like in a way, I am because very no one else talked about it. I think I think where it comes from is I was the first person to really publicly yeah. put his name into the hat. Mm. Um because no one else had considered it yet. But here's something that people forget. I was also the first person to really to Lip, publicly yeah. put Lip's name into the hat. Yeah, yeah. So I was heavily on Lip's train early on. And yeah. then I swapped trains over to the Leave train. So there was never a case where, like, from day one, I was all about Leave. No, from day one, I was actually about Lip. And then later on, as we moved through the different tournaments and the metas, I'm like, hang on a second, Leave is Very kind cool. of really impressing me right now. And mm. then and then I was 50-50 on them, and now I'm heavily over towards Leave as we got to the end of this regular season. Yeah, that that rang in my mind as well. Where uh, I guess if people don't remember you uh, guessing up leaf uh, lip, like the one thing that you pointed out pretty much to everyone was like how how nuts he plays in the neutral, how much damage he does, um, and and how quickly he builds EMPs, like how he's just like basically doing top damage despite like traces being in the mm -hmm. game and whatnot. Like, yep. Um. So yeah, no that. That is just like lip is incredible. The problem is that it's his case is also hurt. Like depending on what kind of definition you adhere to, right? Like most valuable mm. is that most valuable in uh, the highest discrepancy between like the te your teammates and um, yourself, or is that just being the best player in the world? The problem is both of those arguments like are muddled because of how good your teammates are, right? Mm -hmm. Like either you. It's hard to say if you're the best player in the world because the best healer in the world is healing you. Yeah. Or it's hard to say if you're the best player in the world when everyone on your team is like absolutely in contest for a Roadstar award on their respective role. And I will say Roadstar is also, especially towards support, is a little, a little BS in how it's framed because it almost like makes it very hard for main supports to get it. Um, in, mm -hmm. Oh yeah. In comparison, right? So, totally. like, if you ask me who the best main support was this season, Ligiagon is one of the top uh, considerations for me there, just because of the completeness of the hero pool he had to cover, um, the level of uh, at which he did it, the the pop off potential, like the game changing mm -hmm. uh, of that. Like, he's probably my number one there. The problem is that we just have so many flex supports that are just also utterly incredible, right? But yeah, back to the point, too. like. If everyone on your team is nuts, I, I, I don't know if you can just only do the stuff that you do 
because everyone else is just like working very well. And that's mm. that's a little bit what works against Lip. I mean, we both settled that Lee was better, uh, had 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 better stake to the claim on both of those definitions, and both being the best yes. player, and also uh, value brought to his team. And for and to clarify as well, what I define as best player and how I, you know, how I justify that is, I, a lot of this does it's statistics and also some of the eye tests coming in as yep. well, um, and who I deem to have the best mechanics has reached the highest potential in their skill ceilings as well, um, and has shown the most skill, and skill is not just mechanics, but mechanics across a, a yep. wide variety of heroes, meta-proof, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it just goes to leave easily. Um, without spending a whole podcast talking about leave again, I think yep. we're just it's just more just recapping some of the thoughts on there. Mm. Uh, rookie of the year. Do we all get the same rookie of the year? I think we might have. I think we might have. And so, rookie of the year, to make it easy on you guys, everyone picked. Drum roll, please. We're not even going to do one. It's it's Pelican. It's got to be Pelican. Did anyone not pick Pelican? No. I picked out Pelican. Pelican. We all picked Pelican. There you go. I didn't even know that we all picked Pelican. I just assumed we we had smart people on the podcast. So, there it is. We all picked Pelican. does anyone want to be the the person that that has to explain why it's Pelican? I mean, I can I can rattle you uh, his top three statistics. So for his most played heroes being sure. season wide, uh, Echo Tracer in May. Funnily enough, um, for Echo he is third most final blows per ten, second most eliminations per ten, second most hero damage done per ten minutes, and top ten within solo kills. Tracer, he's top 10 in final blows, 6th in elimination, 7th in hero damage. Mind you, this is across 20 teams with multiple Tracer players. Um, and 2nd in solo kills for Tracer. And then on May, he's 3rd in final blows per 10, 4th eliminations per 10, and 1st in total hero damage done per 10 minutes. So, so outside of stats, though, like what, where, where do you sit in terms of, uh, you know... Pelican's candidacy because it's not just about stats. Oh, of course. Was, yeah. it, was it more? There was got to be more there. Yeah, 100%. Like, this is a kid who is, is a star, undoubtedly. Um, through the eye test, you can see him making plays. You can see him taking bold positions. You can see him, you know, getting resources. He has the ball in his hands and he's making these shots. Um, that, that takes a specific person. So I think that kind of checks off my ballot. Um, you see him taking control of the game and really kind of like not dominating. I I think that's more towards maybe Atlanta's detriment this season where they've been a little bit uh, inconsistent at the highest level. Um, So I think that's kind of stymied him a little bit, but I don't think that definitely sways me. Um, And I'm definitely somebody who throughout my career has been very uh, keen to celebrate flexibility. Um, something that I think Pelican does in spades. Uh, somebody who is, uh, I, I would deem colorless, who can do it all. He can play hit scan. He can play, you know, flex. You you put him in a position, he's going to learn it. He's going to excel. Um, and then to back it up, you have multiple statistics at, you know, world-class levels. Um, I'm, I'm willing to give him a lot of uh, leeway because of his eye test performance, right? You see him mm-hmm. come out. He pops off. He has these big plays. He gets first eliminations. He gets clutch kills, um, and and those are supported statistically. So it's like there is really not anybody else who has the full picture that Pelican does. 
I think I apply the same. To me, Rookie of the Year is basically an MVP award for the rookies. Yep. Uh, and so I apply the same kind of definition in the metrics and the justification I would to the MVP to the Rookie of the Year. And by that definition, Pelican is like the leave of the rookies because the value he's brought to Atlanta has just been incredible. Yeah. Like, I, I, so transformative to this team. You look at Atlanta last year to what it is now, and Pelican is a big reason why yeah. uh, Atlanta is the way it is in, in, in its success. And then on top of that, as like of the rookie players, I think Pelican's just been the, the most individually, mechanically gifted player of all of them. Um, so it was an easy choice for me. Like there were some of the good shouts in there. Like, yeah, Gaga said a good year. Monk said a good year. Khan did some cool stuff. But Paris hasn't really performed otherwise too well, well yeah. enough. Um, same story with Naga. Uh, trying to think of any other rookies. Skewed actually was the, probably the big one. But for me, yeah, Skewed is, I don't know if Skewed falls into the exact same boat as Shu as far as uh, recency bias goes, because I, I think Skew's been... A fairly top main support for a while mm. like, well flex support playing right. the main support but yeah. he, unfortunately he does fall into that main support trap where yeah like he's it's it's less flashy he's done it, it does less on paper objectively when you look at it compared to what a dps does and so it's not that i don't think shoot had a good enough season but i think pelican's candidacy is just stronger much stronger yep. dude 100 like we we when we had the the preview episode right pelican was my expected rookie of the year now did i have some doubts that this might not happen right in my mind it was like so pelican was always a little bit in the shadow of proper right mm. and the problem is like he had to flex around that kid so much and one way to frame it is Proper is just like a generational talent, and even someone like Pelican has to do that. The other mm. thing is, is Pelican actually did exactly that for Atlanta as well. The thing mm. is, the vessel that he poured his skill into just required hard carry performances. That's what Atlanta needed. Pelican was water. The, the Atlanta vessel needed a hard carry in some matters. And he just did that. And when they, they didn't, he went, went on May and whatever, right? Yep. Like, like, this kid still does the flexing around everyone. And I will also say, like, there's, count, there's four people in Overwatch. Is it four or five? Wait, let me count. Um, that basically have a tracer and still fulfill the full definition of a flex uh, DPS, right? It's Profit. It's Fledder, I would say. It's Lip. Uh, I'm not okay. sure if we can say Sparkle. I'm mm. I'm on the fence of that one, and it's Pelican, right? Yeah. So nobody else has that. Like someone might have a tracer, and then they might have some other picks, and maybe they have a pocket Genji or whatever. They do not have the full range of heroes, right? Um, I assume you didn't add leave there because sorry, leave was just I, an exception that I should. No, no, I yeah. should have added leave. That was fifth. Yeah, and I think okay. I excluded. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that is very unusual, especially to the elite level, right? And you could argue that Pelican maybe doesn't have a tracer like Leaf. I, I think I, I would uh, I would sign that as well. Um, but to be able to have that and just be everything like, just think of what the weaknesses around Edison and Kai happen for Atlanta Rain. And I, I like it's not that Pelican just coincidentally is the puzzle piece that fits. He makes it fit. He he adjusts yep. himself around that. You could put this kid in every team and he would find the niches that this team needs. 
Like, a player like that is invaluable. He's just a gamer that sits down and does nothing else. Dude, the most iconic moment is, like, um, there's, like, a... Do you know Sophie Ann? The, the uh, uh, English teacher for Koreans in, in the Overwatch League? Oh, yep. Yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. There is, like, a, a, a moment where Pelican is uh, practicing English, and Sophie is, like, uh, there's, like, a line, I play the piano, or, like... Uh, or something like uh, about playing the piano and Sophie asks like Pelican do you play the piano and he's like no I only play game and if you talk to his teammates <laughs> and his his coaches then yeah. yes that is exactly what Pelican does he plays game he goes to sleep and sometimes he's in the hospital but otherwise this year he has played Overwatch right he plays until his lungs give up <laughs> basically yeah nah this kid is nuts like this ah I don't know. I can't say enough about uh, good stuff about. I need Pelican. to give some context because you you mentioned proper a few times, and for the people that don't watch containers, I don't know who proper is. So, Pelican comes from a team in containers Korea called O2 Blast, which a lot of players have come from actually. Um, and on that team last year, he played with a, a a DPS called Proper, who I believe is probably next year's rookie of the year. Um, proper is easily the best player in containers Korea right now. Uh, it's not even close. And on top of that, you know, leave he leave we've described as a generational talent that is unique there's only one other player that that i've seen that can do what leave does in terms of hero pool and then vertical skill on on that hero pool and that's proper and proper is a 17 year old kid waiting to dominate the overwatch league right um hopefully there will be an overwatch league to dominate as proper as you know he'll he'll be he'll be 19 but no he'll be 18 um he'll be he'll be probably 30 years old by the time i watch two releases exactly. but <laughs> proper, right, right um, with half-life yeah, so, but Proper, yeah, he's he's crazy. Proper was so good that he forced Pelican to pick around him. So Proper yeah. gets kind of first dibs on, like, mm. what is the hero that Proper's going to play? And then Pelican has to support around them and be like, okay, well, Pelican fills in this role now because that's what Proper is playing. That's kind of how that duo worked. And Ocho Blast found a lot of success with that duo. I don't think you have space on a team for, like, two cracked-up superstars that demand attention. You kind of need the one and then somebody else to kind of make that work. Um that otherwise i think you're going to have some conflicts in, in terms of mm. who's getting the resources and who's getting the spotlight and who's getting what so you can't have i don't think you could have two decays on the same team for example not that decay be... is that play i think sorry keep on i want to say something say, like, like proper pre pre would pre would tell you that you know decay is actually a pretty selfless player but we're mm. not getting into decay storyline here uh, my point is like just to give some context to what you're saying um and and why pelican is so good but uh yeah uh, last thing about Pelican before we move on to Coach of the Year. Sorry, really quickly about Proper and also Pelican. Um, sure, I think sure. like these hyper flex players, right? We like my assumption is we are going to have Overwatch uh, League next year on Overwatch Two, and a lot will change just by the nature of how that game plays and what kind of skills you require. Mm -hmm. If if someone puts a gun to my head and asks me who, which players will make it to Overwatch Two and transition seamlessly then Proper and Pelican are some of those names to bring up just because, like, if they're already this... Dude, if, like, I trust this kid to be a top pro in Valorant or whatever. Like, th there's just, like, people, they ju are just, like, so gifted at video games, it almost doesn't matter what you put them on, and they will find a way mm -hmm. to be among the best in the world. Yes, there's, like, little, like, idiosyncratic uh, attributes to each game that makes players shine in those specific areas more, but it's, like... I don't know, like, some, some just got it. Some have the grind, some have the understanding and the natural abilities to just get mm -hmm. there. And, 
Like for proper and Pelican, I, I I'm pretty sure we'll we'll ha also have fun with them in Overwatch too, if they want to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't, actually don't know how Leave did in PUBG. We nearly lost Leave to PUBG. I can't remember if he uh, did well in that game or not. But uh, it's yeah. story for another day. Uh, quick honorable mention. I think I've already kind of said it, but I think Skewed has to be an honorable mention. Mm. Uh, I don't know if there's a lot of other rookies that I'm heavily on. I think Pelican just again takes all the boxes. So, um. We'll move on to coach of the year real can, quickly. This is where we can bring up. Can can I just you want to bring quickly one say? Yeah, bring one up. for not the honorable mention, but the fact that we don't or can't say this year that Mag is an honorable mention would have been oh, nuts. Yeah. Like if we yeah. asked before the season, right? Like that's a notable thing that happened in the Overwatch League in 2021. Like it, it hurt. Quite a few said. rookies just burned. Mag, and this is the thing as well for people that didn't pay, either don't watch containers or didn't pay attention, uh, which is fine. I mean, it's it's whatever. But basically, Mag, I would have said that coming out of containers career last year, Mag was the number one prospect, the number one pickup, the number one most sought after player right. out of contenders. Uh, def definitely more so than Pelican. Yeah. And now Pelican's like your rookie of the year. Mag is not even on the list. Yeah. So I don't know. Yep. Uh, I think maybe Washington had something to do with that. Maybe Mag just kind of suffered in that program. It's a lot of different factors, but yeah, you know, yeah, maybe it's, uh, maybe main tech is just very hard. Maybe it's the, currently the hardest role to play, just based on seeing how few people actually cover the full hero pool, right? Which is why Mag was impressive because he made main tank look like a carry position when he was yeah. on um, runaway. Yeah. Like he was like the one of the key factors that kept runaway super powerful and competitive. Yeah. Mm. So there's a story of Mag. Really? All right, coach of the year. Uh we, we might as well show my graphic here because I, I so we can do the whole thing for because we, we aligned on two of them already. I don't know how many people aligned with my coach of the year. Um I suspect that a reasonable amount maybe will. We'll have a look here. So I have Rush as my coach of the year. Does anyone not have Rush as their coach of the year? Joe does not have Rush. Uh, so let me go first then, and then we'll go to you, Joe, really quickly. Oh, and then maybe Yusuke can back me up as well. Um, why is Rush the coach of the year? First of all, there weren't a lot of choices for coach of the year. Mm. There's a lot of people that weren't on the list. Uh, second of all, a lot of assistant... Well, actually, there were no assistant coaches on the list because I think you have to be a head coach to, yeah. Uh, yeah. to make it, to be a candidate. So I was actually quite keen to give it to Unter, if anybody, Unter or Rui. Uh, because I'm, I think Unter's transformative success on the Atlanta reign just can't be overshadowed. But uh, of the coaches remaining, I, I think Rush is a, a solid pick for me because I, I think he's had less to work with than, say, mm. Moon has on the roster. Moon's got like nine, ten, nine players, and he's had multiple roster changes. He can just do whatever yep. he wants. He doesn't have to worry about too much. He's like, yeah, should we just get who are you? Yeah, I should bring on. Should we get developed? Yeah, I should bring him on. Yeah. yeah, did we start the season with DM and Ursta while still having Lip and Flitter? Is that just like four superstar DPS on one team? Yeah, it's just whatever. I'm just Moon, you know? Just Moon stuff. Yeah. Um. Whereas Rush is just like, bro, can I get a hit scan? Are there any hit scans? No? Oh, shit. Can I, can I get a hit scan within this year in a timely manner? No? Okay, if that's whatever. I just work with yeah. what I got then. Yeah. Moon has had such little to work with in comparison yeah. and generating the amount of success that he's had on Dallas. Let's not you know, forget that Dallas has been a bit of a meme as a team for like three years running and, and Rush, uh, you know, with the rest of the staff, has turned this franchise around. Oh, baby has the franchise turned around big mm. time um, due to those efforts. Yeah. Uh, the excellently constructed roster. Yes, it had some holes, but let's be clear, they didn't know that they were going to lose Exe. Nope. So 
Uh, Aside from that, it was an excellently constructed roster. Um, And the whole visa thing, like, that's not their fault. You you can... Maybe maybe you could have argued they could have picked up a different hit scan, but they went with Pine, and it just took it forever to get Pine in. Uh, That's just what immigration is like. So... They made it work. They won tournaments. They were dominant. They literally defined the June Joust meta. They they came out and from day one played, you know, their specific, I call it Russia's Rush, the Lucio Amore stuff. They defined the entire meta for an entire stage, not just in NA, where they were the best team and everyone copied them, but also in APAC, when NYXL and Shanghai played in June Joust, and they're like, ah, fuck it, I guess we have to do Lucio Amore too. And they then played that as well. So it is very defining of what, what Dallas and Russia have done this year, and that's why Russia is my coach of the year. Fair play. Yeah. Ciao. No, like, I will say, if I had more options on the ballot, I might have picked differently. Because, once again, I am big on making a lot out of a little. Mm. Um, and, unfortunately, the Paris coaching staff wasn't up for selection. If they were... I'm still not sure, given like all the the limitations that Dallas had and how much success they had, that I wouldn't have given it Rush anyway. Um, I think generally speaking, um, Wait, hang on, what are you saying? If if Get Amazed was on there, would you have given it to Get Amazed? I'm confused. I mean, for me, Coach of the Year is not about the head coach, right? It's about the mm. entire team because nobody can actually figure out. What I can attest true, to is like true. coaching uh, decisions, as in who substituted, what maps are picked, um, like what strategies are being run, how Im- d- does a team improve, okay. what are they for doing? For the sake of, right. The sake of this, which is literally just a head coach, right? Because I agree, I think it should be coaching staff of the year, but because yeah. the year is, the award is literally just coach of the year, and specifically head coach. Mm. W- would you have gone for Get Amazed if he was eligible? Um, I would. Yeah, in that instance. Because of that, I would have voted for Paris Eternal. Maybe. Okay. I'm not sure. Um, just because, like, the discrepancy between you do not have uh, a lot of resources, mm. you are already getting picked in your own region by the team that's, like, more successful and probably has more draw to for you. Mm. You're starting out with one person. You're playing on ping. The other team that's supposed to be better than you is not getting off the ground at, at all while you're playing uh, at 50% win rate this season. And you also don't just f- get, get those 7-7 uh, scores. I think it was in the end. Um, mm-hmm. It wasn't 7-7. Was it 8-8? 8-8, yeah. yeah. Yep. You don't just get it by like farming the bottom tier teams. Yes, they had, I believe, London twice. But they also punched up a bunch of times, right? So in that, like, once again, I've said it before, this had a very, like, valiant uh, season three feel for me, like a very packing mm-hmm. feel. And that's, that's, like, what coaching is to me, that to make the most of the least. Um, that said, I also recognize that being a coach of the Dallas Fuel comes with a lot of pressure. Um, it comes, like, there were some question marks to me this season, especially in regards to the... Um, to the backline that, I mean, I don't think Jax has ever looked better in his career after, like, the one season he had with uh, Element Mystic. Um, mm-hmm. um, I think Fielder is a different flex support than other f- flex supports, just by the nature of what kind of a teams he has to support, but he did so flawlessly. Um, 
and then yes, the the Exian like uh, um, situation with like not pi getting pine and whatnot. Yes, you could argue maybe that makes made them more unique, and therefore they even had a chance. I'm not like that's not what I'm voting on in terms of hypotheticals. Even though like I don't think that's a, that's a low probability chance. What I'm seeing is someone had not a wide roster, yet full mm. like. Um, responsibility on building that roster. So everything we see in that roster is quite clearly his doing. Won a stage title. He made it to another final. Um, made it to third Hawaii as well. Despite all the downsides of that roster. And yes, he had a lot of resources because otherwise you don't get players like Spark. Sure, of course. Yeah. But in he the end... Money. Yeah. yeah, but money only buys you so much when you're in the region that can't get visas for the best mm. player pool. And in that, like, without slighting Moon, and it feels like we're doing that often, <laughs> even though I will say I, I also didn't think he, uh, he was the, my coach of the year last year, but that, that job from the outside just looks much easier to do than, uh, than whatever Rush has, uh, would need to do and Get yep. Amazed would need to do. So, yeah, I, I, in the end, I gave my vote to Rush as well. Do you guys feel comfortable listing out the uh, the uh, ballot for Coach of the Year, just so that the public knows? Is that something uh, you can do? I mean, I was told I that I can talk about my picks. I'm not sure if I can t talk yeah, about that. I don't the... know about that. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Um, I don't know. It's just, it was just, it's never announced. It's not like, a, I don't know. Yeah, I fair. decided not to tell my... Uh, yeah, I just... Oh. I've already said who it wasn't, so you can just, you can just guess at this stage, but right. no, I... I I guess I haven't received permission to. I don't know if I risk it or not. I'm not too sure. Mm. Uh, maybe I'll just tell you in private later. Yeah. But uh, Joe, you you didn't have Rush. Who who did you have and why? Yeah, I had uh, Rush coming in at a very very narrow second. Um, um, primarily for the reason that yes, uh, Avril had uh, previously mentioned, where you know Rush quite literally had um, a a definitive style that the globe basically adopted and said oh yeah you figured something out this is this is actually right we don't know how to deal with this we're gonna have to you know reverse engineer this um and i do value that quite high um but i think the i think uh both of you had actually mentioned um or alluded to a very strong point that i quite liked uh for Chengdu hunters head coach uh, Rui, hopefully I'm saying that right. Avril, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, the way that I kind of came to this was uh, kind of a tiered system, kind of went like this. Uh, definition of style is what I, you know, judged the highest, right? If I'm looking at a coach, if I'm coming from, you know, any kind of familiarity with sports, I want to see what this coach is doing differently to anybody else, right? Um, secondly, I judged the use of the roster and or their bench. Hearing verbal confirmation, hearing tales of, you know, really bringing in people for mental resets, really utilizing that bench, having to deal with Elsa's departure, bringing in late young, seeing how much he's has improved. Um, and then on top of that, you know, having some sort of success, I, I, I do weigh their, their, I, I, I don't strip Dallas away from their title and their multiple finishes and how, how successful they've been. Um, but for me, I think Rui uh, edged out specifically with the personnel management side of things, dealing with the big roster, integrating them all, 
with success. And then on top of that, having a, a plan in place to kind of either bring them out uh, to see the game, like you mentioned, Avril, or bring people in to kind of give them a morale boost, like Yiska had mentioned with Ame. Um, I think that's uh, immeasurable. I think that's entirely uh, worth the, the award, I would say. Cool. I, I like that. I like that a lot. Um, Rui would have a, a big sort of honorable mention to me. Um, but I, I think we'll, in the instance of time, let's move over to Roll Stars now. So I think we're pretty... We were pretty much all aligned here outside of that one pick. Okay. No, it's um, hard. Personally, for me, I probably would have looked towards Rui as well. I might have even have picked Rui, but he wasn't on the list. So, yep. roll stars. Yep. Roll McStars here as uh, let's go through DPS first. Uh, just to speed it up, I'm, we're not going to go through them one by one. I'm just going to give you my entire list of four, talk about it briefly. You guys can tell me if you had different players on and why, uh, or if you agree with me, mm. and we'll sort of work it from there. So, um, DPSs. Hang on, where were my go. DPSs? So, my DPSs, very quickly, Lip, Leave, Pelican. Okay, pretty standard here. Leave my MVP, Pelican, my Rookie of the Year. Lip, my runner-up and MVP. Very simple choices. Uh, hard to argue against them. If I if these guys were my top players and as far as awards go to start with, very clear that I was just going to put them on my on my roll stars list. Fourth position, I gave the sparkle. Um, a couple reasons for this. One, uh, there was a nice sort of symmetry here with having one of each player from the top four dominant teams this season. So you know, put a Dallas player on there. Uh, second of all, is that I think Dallas has been a, a also a pretty important part of the Dallas field for, to find them success. Mm -hmm. This team isn't just about fearless. I think a lot of people look at Dallas and like, oh, it's the fearless team. No, there's a lot of different pieces on there that make that team work. Sparkle among them. Uh, Doha has played more of a supportive role on this team as you, as they do, you know, when Element Mystic were together, when Sparkle and Doha were that DPS Geo, uh, Doha usually takes a bit more of a backseat, kind of like when Pelican played with the proper. I use that example a lot between Doha, Sparkle, Pelican, proper. Also because they also played against each other in uh, mm. contenders at one point. Sparkle has still, to me, got some of the highest highs on specific heroes like uh, Genji and Doom. Yep. And he's kind of had to adapt and learn and 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 be on some uncomfortable positions on this team as well, where he wasn't known for the Tracer. He's never really been known yes. on Tracer the entire time I've casted him, even in contenders. True. Tracer wasn't really his hero. But here he's come in, he's had to improve big time on Tracer. And by the end of it, I think he had a very good Tracer. Like at first I was like, yeah, it's kind of serviceable. Now it's like, damn, this guy's really competing. Okay, sure. It's not yep. Lips Tracer. It's not Leaves Tracer. It's definitely not Striker's Tracer but it's more than good enough to get Dallas across the line. And I think Sparkle played a very important role for this team. Um, part of me thinks maybe could it have been Kevster? Yes, but I also, I wasn't going to buy into the, the recent bias. Also, I, again, I picked this list before Glad's won the tournament before I even saw the countdown cup. Uh, so that, that just wasn't going to be there. And also if Kevster's one performance in tournament was going to, was going to, you know, shift me over to putting him on the roll stars, then, you know, I, I have zero integrity at that stage. So, you know, it just wasn't going to happen. So Sparkle was mm. my pick. Right. So for me, I have everything like Avril. I just have Fleda instead of Pelican. Now, that one might be controversial. I think... Do you have Sparkle? Yes, I have Sparkle. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. For pretty much the same reasons. I think, like, it's very, very impressive to, for him to have a tracer like that. 
I think also like it's interesting how he made Tracer work because it's very it's very sparklish in how he creates value a ton with bombs like his his stick I think he might have the highest sticky rate in the Overwatch League um and it's not it's just like sticking uh tanks right like he just yeah. gets a lot of value out of his bombs which is makes sense for someone that generally like excels at ability characters right like Genji like mm-hmm. um so yeah, that that just made perfect sense to me. Yes, and it it, it kind of forced like a playstyle. It, it 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 kept just like fearless. It it it. I don't think you can play or can sort of play around fearless that way and that aggressively if you don't have like mm. a guy like F- Sparkle yeah. being able to back that up. Yep. I feel like I have to be defensive about the flatter pick. Now, I think. First and foremost, let me like disarm everyone with vo- voter fatigue towards Flanner. Because I think there's a big bias going on against like giving someone an award that has won it all last last year, right? Like where it's like uh, but he already has MVP, like and he wasn't as clearly MVP this season, so he deserves it less. My the the bottom line question is is like you can't see it through those lenses. You have to see it yeah. through. It is he a top four DPS in the league? Now, it was very, very close, right? Um, between Pelican and, and Fleda. I still think, like, bottom line is, Fleda wins two championships. Bottom line is, he still looks like top tier on, uh, on Tracer. Like, Lip and Fleda, you can... It's like... They like mid mid flight just like throw controllers and just like now you pick this hero and like they they're just having fun just flexing around each other just being just as good like top five traces uh, tossing the pick around in order to have that in the back pocket like once again it's super hard to have that um, I I think what like if if we're arguing who was more important towards the team's success that is Pelican but that's not what this award means to me. Right. This mm-hmm. award means top four DPS play in the Overwatch League. And once again, like Fleda is, is the meta. I think like he has a um like, like he had to show a little bit more. He also had to get on picks that, that aren't uh historically like um the typical Fleta picks. He just impressed me over the entire season and was also a big reason why they were able to win it in the end. So um okay. While I think that's a controversial one, especially over Pelican, which I fought with for a long time, in the end, all that there is that, that Shengdu has to show is two trophies, right? And whatever you might think, like, by the eye test, whatever, like, and yes, two trophies is also noisy, because what if he was carried by his... Um, but, tr- I'm sorry, trophy has... Trophy, uh, trophy case has to be considered um, when it comes to um, naming the best players because that is that is the most obvious mm. tell that someone is a good player or not, right? I, I thought my sparkle pick was controversial. Joe, did you have any differences yet? Funnily enough, uh, we all have the relative same picks. I have Leave Lip Pelican, um, with my last, funnily enough, being Fleta. Uh, I have left <laughs> out Sparkle. Um, we the, all but, came back to pretty much the yes, same thing. Pretty almost. much. Yeah. Uh, one or two differences. Uh, literally, I think there's just one. Um, 
out of all of them. Uh, Sparkle for me, while I, I 100% see how valuable he is for the Dallas Fuel um, in terms of style, in terms of hero pool, um, I have a very love-hate relationship with Sparkle. Um, I have not been particularly fond of his Echo play this year, and I think that's what really turned me off that, along with a lot of the first uh, death eliminations that he kind of uh, does often toss away uh, ever so often. Um, while his tracer has been much improved, I don't know that it still hangs with uh, the, the players that I've picked. Um, and on top of that, again, I'm a flexibility stand, so yep, I th see these okay. guys as valuable and sure. impactful. Why don't you start us off for the next category on tank? You just list your four. Can, can okay. I, I gotta uh, get it on my system. I got. I gotta say, honorable uh, mentions. I mean, I sat there with tears in my eyes, putting the X where it, my heart wanted it to be, oh, taking it away. But like, <laughs> if on. if I was to adhere to the notion that MVP is like the most valuable player for her team, so highest discrepancy between team and player mm -hmm. i think profit was so important to soul success this year like totally. if you look at him statistically he's the second most lethal dps after leaving the league in terms of killing goals per 10 um if you if you look at the amount of heroes he has to cover it's once again like it's not leaf mm -hmm. level but it's still very very solid yep. um so profit would have been a a, a runner-up and then uh, Pelican, of course. Uh, I mean, I need to mention because uh, for the aforementioned reasons, like that was definitely run out for me as well. Yep. Similar, similar thoughts. I cool. think Profit and Sparkle probably would have been mine. Um, all right, Joe, like, roll <laughs> yes, through your tanks. four tanks and maybe only just talk about like, or talk about what you want to, but you know, yeah. don't feel the need to go through all four of them. Just like any that you feel need explaining. Talk about the ones you feel need explaining, because some of them will probably be straightforward. So, I think yeah. this one, uh, for her tanks and supports both years, um, I think a lot of my talking is going to be like the, the handicap that I've given myself, especially um, with tanks and supports. Um, I think Yiska had alluded to this earlier, that it's really not fair to kind of list uh, tanks as a role, um, as much as DPS uh, is a different deck of cards. Uh, I think tanks have to be divided uh, personally, uh, into main tanks and flex tanks, and same with support. So I've done that uh, moving forward. Uh, but for my tanks, I have Fate and Fearless, and Hanbin and Void are my tanks. I don't think I need to explain much. Uh, so just so Dallas Shanghai tank lines, pretty much. Okay. Cool. Mm. Uh, I have the same list, but I have Gaga and I have no Fate. Okay. Um, and I think. There was a little bit of discussion early on where I think I've been one of the the people here on this panel that is a little bit less on the fate train. I don't. That's not to say I don't think fate is good. I think fate's been fantastic for Shanghai. Mm. Um, but I this wasn't going to be a free pass for fate for me. Um, I think fate had to do a bit of catch up to slide into that ball position. I think there was a bit of a sort of identity crisis for fate and the dragons a little bit early on, where it just oh, felt like fate was the odd one out. And it wasn't until we get to June Joust and he shows up on this ball that was suddenly like, oh my god, fate's fate's arrived, guys. Um so I've got Gaga on this list because I feel like Gaga has been a transformative player for the Chengdu Hunters and a big part of their oh, success totally. outside of Leave. And someone that like last year Chengdu without Gaga and with only Among is just, you know, it was a bit of a meme team. 
let's be clear, they were second to last, just above London, who were the last place team in APAC. Um, and now with, you know, with uh, in terms of new players coming in, Gaga being one of the new players, like Lee was on the team last year, so mm. that hasn't changed. But Gaga being one of the new players has really transformed what this team can do specifically around their tank line to suddenly enable different styles of gameplay and more even, solid, consistent game uh, games that uh, Among I think, wouldn't give you. So that's that's where I put Gaga in there. It's like, if I'm not going to put it to fate, who's it going to be for me? I also wanted a bit of a clear split. Two flex tanks, two main tanks, and you know the, the next main tank for me on my list was Gaga after fate. So there it is. Fair. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Well, oh, this will be good. Those, this will be good. those of one mind, those three of one mind. No, I actually have Fearless, Fate, Void, and Gaga. Um, so I don't have Humbin. Wow. So we are once again just all, pretty <laughs> much all there. Right. Incredible. So I feel like not having Void this year is slander. <laughs> like, yeah. I said as much. Ugh. I think, like, once again, we got to recognize potential, like, Far, far offshoot chance, but potential gold candidates and give them the accolades that they deserve. It's not enough. Like this, Void has never not been. Uh, hmm. No, that's actually wrong. But mm, Glads might have a word. For, the, for a significant, let's say. After Glads, then. Yeah. Yes, yes. Even on Glads, I think he was crazy. Um, okay. I, I think. You would have to think really hard for him to be top outside of top five flex tank since Apex season two. Yep. Like nobody is this consistent uh, over their career in in terms of like it, it, the, the role isn't flashy. He isn't getting the flashiest kills. He's not particularly known for his bombs. Like he doesn't get the sickest like whatever. Um, if you want, like, uh, what's it called? The um, Graviton Flux. Um, sure. Like, it's not flashy, but it's consistently top tier, right? Yep. Um, so having Void in there, I think it kind of was important to, to highlight that. <sighs> Dude, I had Hanbin locked in very often. Like, easily run up for me as well. Like, was yeah. very close. My first, like, I saved it, was like, okay, I'm going to send this over tomorrow. And then I think I, I put Gaga instead of Hanbin because I thought Gaga was more important uh, in terms of like how the Hunters played this year. Mm. Um, just like being a complete main tank. And yes, it's easier when you start as a ball and work yourself through the rest of the lineup than the other way around, as we found out this season. But like Gaga was so important to what's the hunter's success and their ability to play the comps that they did so had to have him in it yeah. but yeah it, it unfortunately feels a little bit like yeah. i'm snubbing hanbin but you only got four wounds like what yeah. can you do um real quick did anyone have a consideration for hawk because i think hawk for me was yes. an honorable mention yes agreed and i think that's also a name we don't talk enough uh, about it's pretty much the only one and space that you could even bring up i would in say that. space yeah yeah yeah, I think that, I think there's a lot of the, there are plenty of honorable mentions that I think um, I wouldn't be uh, upset at to see on like the ballot who? anywhere. Uh, who would I be upset to see? I feel like okay, so Piggy was done bird dirty by the hero pools. I feel. Um, 
I, uh, I guess. I, I mean, if you're a player that gets done dirty by hero pulls, I don't know if then you have issues. Good enough to get on the list. Yeah. True. I think he um, looks great when you give him the pick, but if there's no pick, what do? Let's be real. Hanbin was a Sigma one trick until he wasn't, and now he's looking like one of the best divas. And this guy didn't get yep. screwed by yeah, the yeah. hero pull. You're right. You're right. Uh, yeah. Good player. So, but yeah, I'm not doing a Kareev again. <laughs> yes, would you like to speaking of Kareev, would you like to kick us off for our support list? So just name all Oh my god. This is where we're going to fight, I think. I don't think uh, so. No, I, I think, I think we can I have, have a spicy here. one. I, I wanna I feel like I wanna go last here. I have a really I have a decent spicy-ish kind of one here. Uh, so okay. Yiska, you go first, Joe that you go second. Can and again, do. just just don't ex don't don't explain every single player, just yeah, yeah. explain maybe the one you think is contentious or controversial. <sighs> so I got I feel like I've I have probably three controversial players, maybe two, maybe. I have Fielder, Iziaki, Alarm, and Shu. Okay. 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 So I guess I think the most controversial might be Alarm, right? Would you agree? I mean, I think I won't speak for Avril, but I definitely locked myself out of just flex supporting everything. Uh, so I have main right. supports on it. Uh, I will I don't say. I will say this. I will say this, Yusuke. Uh Without spoiling much, I also have alarm, but I'm going to let you explain why alarm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, like, it's, it is really hard to, to figure, like, to be a support in a team that isn't doing well or doing too well, not going to Hawaii, not whatnot. It's just like, it, like, if you want to have a good evening, just, like, sit yourself into the replay viewer and look at alarm. I, I, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> dude, this guy, 100%. I can't, I, I, no player is like this, where the best expression I've always found for why Alarm is incredible, and almost reminds me of, like, exceptional WoW players, is, WoW Arena, is he has, A, he has an incredibly high mental tick rate, and he's just able to pick up on more information and use that effectively, than anyone else I've ever seen in, in play in Overwatch. Like, it's not that he has sick mechanics. It's not that he has like super sick awareness or something. Like, it's like other players have the feeling of like, oh yeah, this is a bad position to be in. For Alarm, mm. it feels like he doesn't have these zones that are that are like dangerous where he shouldn't go. He seems to be able to reevaluate the situation and the angles where he can stand at based on all the information that he's co constantly being fed. That has to be through comms. That has to be through uh, the the sounds that he hears and of course what he what he sees. And to that degree, like his ability to also toss heals, effective heals around and keep teammates alive at the sliver of a health. Like sometimes he was so pressed for. Um, for like trying to help everyone nobody does that better than alarm as well um mm -hmm. i guess like why f why i fielder in there as well is because i feel like what fielder does is just like there's no better po pocket uh than yeah. fielder um which also facilitated uh sparkle um mm -hmm. but yeah like I don't know, dude. Like, get this kid on a great team, and you will instantly, once again, start seeing why that I is mean, true. 
he you could argue he is on a good team but for whatever reason that team just isn't clicking i think yeah. the individual pieces are fantastic mm-hmm. i'm on board with you in terms of alarm joe uh, I apologize, but I said you were going to go second. I, I'm going to put myself second now, but for a good reason, you'll find out why. Because <sighs> what would you second? You had Iziaki, Shu, Alarm. I have those three, but I don't have Fielder. I have Lee Jae Gon. Mm. So yeah, I don't we've actually that. aligned. We've actually aligned really closely with support somehow. It's kind of wild. Uh, alarm for very similar reasons. Obviously, I just think Alarm's just been fucking crazy. Like he, he, the fact that he plays this well while his team is shitting the bed is yeah. unbelievable. Mm. Yeah. Um, if I was going to replace any, by the way, it does hurt that I don't have Fielder. Uh, but if I was going to replace anybody on my list to to put Fielder in, I'd probably take out Shu. Um, and for anyone that wants to be like, oh yeah, because we talk lots about Shu in this recency bias thing. Again, I locked this in before the Counter Cup tournament weekend, which Same. means I didn't even see the Shu play. The Shu play had no had no impact on this. Yep. I had Shu locked in prior to that, um, and that's just a nod to I think Shu being the best bat in the league currently. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. bringing a ton of value towards Glads. Uh, I, pr- I should probably explain Lee Jae Gon pick because that's the one that we differ on. Uh, Lee, J- I I didn't want this just to be flex support the the role right. this, to me it wasn't just going to be everybody's flex support wrap it up tie it up and send it away uh for me if i was going to include a main support and i just have the one main support to me the best main support has been lee jagon yeah uh why does hero pull high mastery and all those heroes people say he feeds but i i like a player that's willing to make plays yeah, i sure. don't want a passive player i I, I like animo but i don't i don't want a passive player like animo i want someone like lee jagon that's going to yeah. make shit happen Yep. Uh, Lee Jagon has serious carry potential on a main support role. When main support is not a carry position, it's, it never has been, but somehow this guy does it. Somehow this guy has kill pressure in a in a role that you will normally never have that. I, I just think he's had an incredible season. Easily the best main support, in my opinion. Um, the most meta-proof one. When you have situations where Moth and FD God are being benched and Violet's playing Lucio, nah, man. If Lee Jagon was on that team, you, you wouldn't bench this guy. There's no reason to. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Oh. What do you so, weirdly enough, even locking myself to two and two, uh, we share a lot of similar picks. Uh, <laughs> for flex support, I have Shu and Izayaki for a lot of the same reasons that we've right. mentioned. Um, I won't, you know, claim that I put in my ballot uh, or lack thereof uh, before the Countdown Cup. However, uh, I'm not surprised, uh, funnily enough that uh Shu is able to come out with those clutch potentials um i think statistically he's the best bap um i think he's probably the best performing flex support this season if i had to pick one um iziaki narrowly coming in close i don't know i i mean that's not even fair to say um i i, I don't know that I think they probably have the same kind of playmaking potential especially when looking at some of iziaki's uh stage final performances um, specifically on Ana. I think he really comes alive when the pressure hits him. Um, and statistically, he's just as dominant as, as Shu, but I think Shu kind of tops some charts where Iziaki maybe uh, wanes a little bit. Um, definitely is a little bit more consistent, um, for me at least. Um, so I have Shu, Iziaki as my flexes, and uh, Lee Jagon and Iveltel as my uh, my main Ooh. supports. Um, funnily okay. enough, and I've, I've had to double-check this on while we're recording this, um, but first and final blows per 10 minutes on Brigitte. First in eliminations with 15.4. Next highest is skewed with 13.3. Uh, first in here damage done. Uh, first in healing. Uh, Eveltel, and I don't think I need to really bring up the mercy 
I, I, it's just synonymous at this point with the guy. Um, I have been significantly impressed with how bulletproof he is, no matter where you put him, no matter where the dead body is, he's swooping in for a res. If you're talking about a playmaker, I think Yvetal is definitely somebody who makes plays uh, subtly under the radar to bring Chengdu into the, a lot of these games where they probably have no business doing. Isha, definitely uh, an understudy that performs to a similar degree, but uh, statistically... Yvetel does not lie. Those I, guys, I was kind of pressed you on that. I wanted to press you because to me, Yvetel and Nisha have been interchangeably one to one. Like you could put either of them in and they'd perform well. Mm. So what, like, what pushed you over for Yvetel instead of Nisha? Because if you're gonna put Yvetel in, I think you have to ask yourself: Should I just put Nisha in instead? Right? Definitely. Um, one of the big reasons. I, I I'm gonna be completely honest with you. It was just the surprise, the sheer surprise at like how bulletproof and I'll, I'll reiterate again like this kid is a facilitator through and through not only have i been impressive or impressed by his mercy for years now but this season i think he's been uh pivotal in seeing the Chung the chungdu hunters kind of advance and, and have this growth spurt mm -hmm. um but his brigitte's like statistics i mean it made sense when looking at it but i didn't think it was going to be this high like season wide he's pounding just I mean, putting up numbers. Joke. He made that joke about he was looking at his own stats and he's like, you know, uh, but I, but he's he had like one bad stat where he dies a lot. Maybe he has high deaths or something. He's like, oh yeah, because I don't raise my shield up. Yeah. And then he made the erectile dysfunction joke about not raising. Um, I don't know if you guys called <laughs> not that. getting it up. No, I didn't. Yeah, that's yeah, not getting the shield up. Um, cool. I mean, I like that list. Uh, I like that list a lot. I, I, I applaud you for actually adding a second main support. So we've gone from Yeska having zero main supports, me to one to you having two. So, We're still not that far off, to be fair. I am impressed with how close we were because I think a lot of us were like, oh man, this is going to be so wild. And Yiska's like, oh dude, I think I've like... <laughs> he reads his list like, bro, we have like the same list outside yeah. of one player. I'm like, this is crazy. So, yeah. oh man, we, we aligned super well. It's why, mm. I don't know, are we, are we like a hive mind here? Like the three of us just like... I just think there's correct picks. Oh, there you go. <laughs> That's the correct Joe opinion, my it. friend. Joe said it. <laughs> Joe just put it out there. Not me. I didn't say that. Joe just put it out there. Oh, there's that's the that's the word right there. Whoo! Some people are gonna be tilted by that. Um, it's also people that push both regions to an un, unhealthy amount, right? Like, I think that's always oh, going man. to tend you. Like, if if you're if you catch every NA game and only that, then you will just like, even if you do your homework afterwards, like it will have a different yeah, yeah. impression on you. If you consistently keep up with both regions and watch those, um, I think it just leaves for or makes for a different uh, sense making yeah. the scope. All um, right. Well, I'll say this banter aside, I think that a lot of awards, um, and I think we've definitely covered this, um, are subjective and you can apply different rules. Obviously, coach of the year for Yiska is different from coach of the year for me, is different from coach of the year. Um, and that drastically shifts. Um, so I'm, you know, a jokes aside, I'm not here to judge anybody's predictions. I may disagree, but that doesn't mean that they don't have the right to vote whoever they choose. Right. So I mean, I'm not publicly judging, but I'm judging. <laughs> hey, <laughs> you, you fall on that sword. I have, I think just enough time for our final segment here. Mm. Uh, so we'll, we'll make this just a brief one it is a season retrospect. Cause now we've concluded the regular season in its entirety. Zero games left in the regular season. Multiple teams have been eliminated fully. We've now locked in teams for play-ins and playoffs. Uh, what were some of the biggest surprises 
and all just things you're impressed by over the regular season that maybe uh, you didn't expect, stuff like that. Um, I think for me, it has been... Uh, well, well I'll, say, I'll say it to the other end. I think for me, I always expected Glads to be this top team at some stage. Mm. In my preseason ranking, I had them very high up. Obviously, there was a lot of scrim bucks there. Um, but I, I was confident. I confidently put Glads as my number one. And I'm and now finally seeing them come to you and win a tournament. To me, it's just like, damn, there it is. Mm, finally, we got there. We got the Glads in there. Uh, I'm just so happy to see them finally take a title. Yeah. He's insufferable. Know. He's insufferable. <laughs> He's insufferable. You already know, dude. The problem- uh, I saw was that smirk, and I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> the thing is, like, I think in hindsight, the things that I got wrong in my preseason power rankings, so A, it took some teams, like, a lot of time to actually get up to a speed that we were always seeing in scrims, right? And B, the other one that I got very wrong was Dallas Fuel. Now, I have like three or four NA interviews where I talk to players and I ask a question, which teams are you surprised? Like, I, the, the fun part, that's the fun part. I always ask, like, which team does better in scrims but worse in, uh, in the actual matches? And they're like, ah, oh, they're sort of like close to their scrim performance. Some, like, maybe Gladiators gets mentioned. They then like, because it's such an anomaly, switch it up and say, you know what, but the other thing is the case, where Dallas Fuel is constantly bad in scrims, and then they hit the live server and they clap you for no reason. So, like, they have that reverse switch, which there were other teams in the past that were, like, reverse scrim warriors, where they performed badly in scrims. Actually, I think Shock might be. Uh, Shock season? No, I'm not sure. Would have to uh, think about this again, but like, Therefore, it also makes sense if I overvalue Scrimbox that I completely got Dallas Fuel wrong. Um, in, in general, of course, NYXL as well, I think in the end, they're not, like, they never were the second best APAC team. They were definitely better than sixth, though, at the end. Mm, um, totally. Actually, where would you put, like, if you had to do power rankings currently in APAC, Oof, where would you put that. them? <laughs> um, hot take... Uh, that's tough because that's mega recency bias. Um, I mean that's power rankings, fifth. right? Fifth. Oh, I know. Fifth, fifth. fifth. I saw them fifth. <sighs> Beha- be- One of below, below fusion, below fusion, and so I, I sure still believe. Ah, oh, fuck it. Yeah. No, okay, you know what? You know what? Power rankings right now. So we're not talking about who I believe right. is going to be better moving yep. forward. So just right now, then okay, sure. Fourth and the fusion fifth. Yeah. Well, I think Fusion have yep. they have a second win coming because they have an open meta and that's what they've been fucking waiting for. Mm, they that, they fucking better, man. Uh, God, I'm gonna be so I'm, sad. I'm also ready to be disappointed. I'm Look very ready yeah. to be disappointed. I'm, again. I'm not sure if you're torturing yourself or also tor- torturing the Philly fans with that hopium you just shared. Like, <sighs> I, I I like to set it up like bowling pins, dude. I fucking I put the ten pins down and I bowl that strike. Straight into the into the Philly fans. Um, I don't know if you had anything else to add there. Yes, get otherwise, Joe. Uh, we'll, we'll get your thoughts on you know what oh, we got. Sort some of names, some other stuff. Yeah. Okay. Let me season. let me put some some sto- stock into this. So yeah, I don't think Fusion can come back. I think that's unfortunately that. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> if what can we do? 
I guess you, like the, there are one saving grace. Okay, if I can jump to your defense. Yeah, Echo. Yeah. Oh, you I saw I, 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 I want to see Shockwave, Shockwave on Echo so bad. Is what is actually going to help them win? Not not fucking Echo. Anyway, Joe, please talk to me about your season retrospectives. Um, Justice, I have some words. Uh, how? <laughs> okay. Here we go. Uh, Spark, I have some words. Uh, many people accurately predicted I was huffing that sweet, sweet pink. Hopium, copium, whatever the kids are saying these days. How? Uh, Philly gets a pass. We understand. Beasts are a bitch. Yep. All right. Um, Houston top five. Well done. Didn't think they'd get top five in NA, but uh, barely squeaking. Um, Paris, congratulations on a job fantastically well done. Again, I will not stop singing the praises of Avala. I think she and Get Amazed had a fantastic uh, approach, not only to building the team, but how they structured it, especially acting late, if memory serves, um, to the uh, roster uh, signing mm -hmm. window. Um, yeah. Well done, Glads. Well done, Dallas. Uh, yeah, but how, though? You know, how are we screwing up Shy? How are we screwing up Mag? Uh, how? How? What happened? Ash got banned. That's what happened. Sure. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Cool. Well, like, there's definitely a couple of big disappointments. I think NYXL is unfortunately one of them for me. I think, um, to be fair, like, despite me being probably one of the guys that had Mayhem ranked the lowest of, of the power rankings I saw, in, uh, I still think, like, that's a disappointment as well, just like because on paper that, but you know we did like a documentary, uh, mini doc mm -hmm. uh, on on mayhem called Learning to Win Again. We specifically looked at OG and whatever that um that situation was and how OG could never break through, right? And we ended the video on like the question if that can be like the season where he redeems himself and where. Like, he brings it all together, and everything works, and that team shines with him and whatnot. And unfortunately, just by the evidence that we got provided, like, unfortunately, that dream didn't come through, and I'm not sure what the, where that leaves his career at this point. Mm. Um, so it's, it mm -hmm. is, like, I think it's still, like, cool to see how those, that uh, story or that narrative played out, because it was one of the focal points of uh, the main season. Unfortunately, not all. Like, this isn't a Disney movie, and Mayhem apparently definitely isn't the Disney princess. So, yeah, it's an, it's an unfortunate season. And then, one of, like, you gotta say, Spitfire is also a, a disappointment. Yeah, uh, I was season. gonna add that in, coming in. Like, I, I love a lot of the players, you know, a lot of the coaching staff. God bless them. Um, that's, yeah, it's a disappointment for sure. Well, uh, some seasons are over. Some seasons do continue for the rest of the teams. Obviously, we we kind of noted the the a few disappointments uh, disappointments in there. Uh, but you know, teams like Philly still have an opportunity. Teams like Hangzhou still have an opportunity. We'll see how far they can get. Boston's still in the play somewhere. They've had a reasonable season. It's it's definitely better than Boston of old. But you know, we'll see how far they can get. That means uh, everything else though will come through in the following week because we have play-ins officially starting not this weekend. 
but the weekend afterwards, September 4th or whatever it is, something like that. Um, and next week's episode is going to be us doing a preview of the plans or the preview of the postseason in terms of where the plans games are going to be, uh, implications for playoffs as well, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so look forward to it. We didn't really get to talk about it this episode because we wanted to focus more on some of the other topics. So stay tuned uh, as we get ready for that. And, and I'm sure next episode will be absolutely fantastic as we head very deep now into the postseason and there's lots to look forward to. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being part of the show. This is episode 189. Signing out. We'll see you next week.